0: Welcome back, Creatures of the Night, to a very special bonus interview episode of the Collecting Dead Man podcast. Uh, Today I have the pleasure of interviewing Keegan Dimitrovic. Uh, You can follow him on Twitter at KeeganRW. He is an aspiring professional wrestler, a fellow Undertaker fan, and Undertaker figure collector, and he is a published author. He is the author of Making Mental Illness Tap Out, How I've Achieved Redemption Against My Mental Health. He is an aspiring professional wrestler, a fellow Undertaker fan and Undertaker figure collector and he is a published author. He is the author of Making Mental Illness Tap Out, How I've Achieved Redemption Against My Mental Health. That is available now through Amazon Kindle and it will be available in paperback shortly. I will be sure to uh, link his Twitter if anybody wants to give him a follow on Twitter. And I will be able to link his uh, Amazon pages so if anybody wants to support him by buying his book or downloading it I will link that in the description below as well. I have read the sample uh, so far and it is an amazing uh, story. Um, He truly has uh, a remarkable story to be told. He gets into it uh, in some degree during this interview, and I have invited him back for another interview as well. So I am looking forward to speaking to him again. Uh, I hope my fellow creatures of the night enjoy this special bonus interview episode. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy. I want to uh, thank you, Keegan, for joining me here on the Collecting Dead Man podcast. Uh, my pleasure. I, uh, so for my listeners who don't know exactly who you are, please uh, just tell us a little about yourself.
1: Okay, so, uh, yeah, uh, I'm Keegan Dimitrovic, and I'm from Windsor, Ontario, Canada. So probably think I'm a hockey fan, which I am. And uh, I'm a person who loves professional wrestling, as you can probably see in my background. And uh, I'm here because I'm an Undertaker fan, hence the name of the podcast.
0: Of course, and, you know... Us Undertaker fans, you know, we stick together. We uh, are joined by our love of the dead man. And um, as I've said many times on the podcast, my first memory of him is him crucifying Stone Cold Steve Austin on the episode of Monday Night Raw, being totally enamored as a young six-year-old. And uh, the, the first question I always ask every guest on here is, what was your first memory of The Undertaker?
1: Oh man, Um, I know know before on-air, I I did tell you, I don't remember my first memory of wrestling because I was so young, but I can say the first feud that I fully remember was Undertaker and Randy Orton from 2005, I thought that feud was the feud of the year, and other than that I'd say I remember the Undertaker and Batista feud from 2007, which I also thought was the feud of the year, so those are really my two first big memories of Taker.
0: And those are great memories. I uh, I vividly remember both of them as well. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I uh, talked about the Hell in a Cell match with Randy Orton, and how that it is, and that how that like basically strapped the Rocket to Randy Orton. Uh, That whole year-long feud with Undertaker showed that Orton can be a main event talent. He can carry a a high, uh, high priority feud with the Undertaker. And even in the uh, one of the documentaries, Orton says, you know, so many times he screwed up in that feud, but Undertaker never gave up hope on him. And it's like...
1: Well, they had great matches. Yeah, Their matches were all great. Like, the SummerSlam one was good. The WrestleMania 21 match was great. The ARPA yeah. getting Hell in a Cell match is really underrated. They even had a really good one on, uh, on SmackDown in September of 05 that I remember for that... Not a lot of people talked about, but that was another good one, too. So I think it was a good idea to place Orton with Taker because Taker's the most responsible person in the locker room. He's the locker room leader. And, you know, under the right tutelage, uh, you know, he could bring anything out of Randy Orton that Vince wanted. So yeah. I thought it was a perfect pairing, especially for that time, in you know, when Randy was going through a lot of stuff.
0: Yeah, and that's just, like, coming off his Evolution um, gig and Mick Foley and everything else, and then you go right to Undertaker... And it's like they made magic. And that was like the first WrestleMania match. You know, people started caring about the streak. Because Orton made a point about it. And they made it a focal point in the rivalry. So, uh, the Randy Orton match, is def- that whole year-long feud is definitely something to be uh, proud of. For one of your first memories of him.
1: Thank you.
0: Yeah. And um, we... You said your first memories of Adam. Do you have a favorite Undertaker match? I know people ask me that all the time. I can never give a good answer because, uh, to me, all the matches are good. No matter if he wins or loses, you know, just seeing him fight is just, um, it's just something different. He gives something different to when he's on the screen and especially if you're there to see him live. Just, you know, him seeing him in a match is just different than anybody else. But, you know, everybody says, what's your favorite match? So, I want to give you the the uh, the burden of trying to pick a favorite Undertaker match as well.
1: Oh, man. There's about 100. I uh, know. About, if I had to think of one off the top of my head, it would have to be Undertaker versus Kurt Angle at No Way Out 2006. Uh, that, really? That match often doesn't get talked about, but it really is a five-star clinic. And I thought Taker and Angle always had great chemistry. Um, the psychology of that match was fantastic with uh, with Kurt working over Taker's knee and ankle and you know Taker being in the spot where he's actually vulnerable, but you know for a fact he ain't gonna tap regardless mm-hmm. if it is Kurt Angle or not and That final sequence too where Taker did the choke slam in the last ride and Kurt still countered into the ankle lock. it's that match was just a thing of beauty and it was a pure Master class of a match. So I would say off the top of my head. It would have to be that match
0: That that's a good match. Um I wish Undertaker would have won that, of course. Um, It should have
1: been the main event of WrestleMania 22. I think all of us agree with that, and even Kurtz said that many times, that that should have been the main event of that show. Yeah,
0: I I agree, and uh, I was just going to bring it up. Angle said that's one of his favorite matches. Undertaker has said it's one of his favorite matches. I wish they would have dragged the feud out a little longer to WrestleMania, maybe even... after having Undertaker win, maybe having Angle request a rematch, so you maybe draw it out maybe to Backlash or something afterwards. But that would have been
1: fantastic because yeah. Angle shouldn't have moved to ECW, I don't think. Because first of all, he didn't want to, and second, I just think SmackDown would have needed him in 06 anyway because that was particularly a weaker year for SmackDown in general. Yeah. Because you know Benoit was out with an injury for about five months. Batista didn't come back till July. Randy moved to Ron, got suspended. Ray ended up getting injured. Undertaker wasn't really placed in anything meaningful, which was unfortunate until I'd say about the feud with Mr. Kennedy and then that kind of, yeah. you know, heated up. But Kennedy was also hurt, too, for, for a number of months. So, but I think what they could have done, too, is, and I think we'll get to this eventually, is they could have done like a Taker and Benoit program for 06 after Taker would beat Kurt for the title. And they could have done that triple threat on pay per view, which I think would have been. Money.
0: <laughs> yeah. And you mentioned SmackDown being yeah. at such a low place. You know it's in a low place when they have to make Great Khali the champion. <laughs>
1: yeah, so, and, you know, Taker t- uh, take tried be best. That's mm,
0: what I'll say about that. Yeah, Gonzalez 2.0, as I like to say. It's
1: he, he actually did pull a decent last main standing match out of Khali, though. Yeah,
0: and I wish they would have made that... Uh, into SummerSlam I know there was supposed to be The SummerSlam uh, match yeah, wasn't It was
1: like a week before Or the week yeah. after One of the two Yeah It was like yeah, the week beforehand they didn't Just book after SummerSlam
0: Yeah I think they probably were like Hesitant because I know the the, um, the month prior At Great American Bash He had to be like Pulled out and replaced By Big Show
1: Oh I remember that match Yeah,
0: yeah. So they probably didn't Undertaker w- I know Undertaker did not have A good 2006
1: And I love Show I, love I, do. So too, but I do, I do. Mean, it's just, when you're in that kind of match, like a Punjabi prison match, it's, it's just a hard match to work. Yeah. So, if they would have had a regular singles match, it would have been ten times better.
0: Yeah, but, and I was I mean, thinking, they probably made the best of it, because I can only imagine Kali in that match with Undertaker. It probably would have been worse.
1: Yeah, at least 07 was a better year for Taker, yes. though he had one of the best years, if not the best year of his career.
0: Yeah, and they could have done, and I was just talk. I talk about this all the time, you know, like, when you go back and see all the things in the past, oh, you can you can book Undertaker's career so much better than how they did it,
1: Yeah. And it's just like it's I did sh- do a whole booking of how I would have booked the streak. I mean, but that's, really, that that that'll take three hours to explain. Oh my but, God! Uh, but Taker and Kurt would have happened at twenty-two. Yeah, and, definitely. You know, and Taker and Batista would have went on last at twenty-three. Mm-hmm. So that's all I'll say for now about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I. That could be a whole other episode. We talk about rebooking the streak yeah, and everything.
1: For sure.
0: Yeah. But uh I definitely think that they missed the mark with angle and maybe even dragging that into maybe having more people added to the feud, giving Undertaker a nice long title reign. Uh maybe eventually dro- nice. Yeah, dropping it to like a returning Batista which sets up the match at WrestleMania the next year. That would For been- sure
1: I wouldn't have even minded a taker and regal program at that time. Ooh. I think that's one that May have went under the radar, but I think Regal should have been used in a better role at that time. Especially with everybody injured, I think that would have been the time to have tried Regal in the main event scene. And yeah. I think Taker and Regal could have had some great matches if they would have just let those two guys go. Yeah. So that's another theory I've too. But I don't know, Taker's uh, Taker's 06 was interesting, let's say the least. Yeah,
0: very interesting. And I was is that when Regal was with King Booker?
1: Yes. Okay. With, uh, with uh, King Booker and Fit Finley. Yeah.
0: Oh, Yeah. Yeah, '06 is not a good year.
1: <laughs> yeah, not three good workers, but wasn't a fan of the stable.
0: Yeah. Well, you mentioned when we were talking getting this thing set up about missed opportunities with feuds for the Undertaker. Yes. And um, I agreed with some uh, with the uh, ones that you talked about. and I just want to uh, give the listeners your point of view of the ones sure. that you thought that the Undertaker should have had. Uh, Feuds with because we were just talking about this just uh, just previously with uh, dragging out Kurt Angle and now William Regal and I know you brought up a couple ones and Messages so here's your chance to talk about missed opportunity feuds for the Undertaker
1: Well, the thing is it's like in wrestling We always say what if because there's always dream managers and there's always dream feuds that we want to see some happen some don't you know like Taker and Sting you know, but I, that's not one of the two because Sting wasn't in in the WWE at the time. I wish yeah. he would have been, but that's for probably a whole other episode. Mm. But 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 the two I was thinking about were obviously one was Eddie Guerrero. Uh, yes. I think even the Undertaker said this on interviews that mm-hmm. he he thinks that he and Eddie Guerrero would have had one heck of a program, and I think we would probably all agree. Yeah. Uh, they did. I heard they had some really good house show matches in two thousand five. Mm-hmm. I, I think it was in August of oh five. And if anybody remembers that's listening, there was a really hidden gem of a match at Armageddon in 2004. It was JBL against Booker T, Eddie Guerrero, and The Undertaker. And one of the very few times Guerrero and Taker interacted, but they literally had, like, a four-star mini-match on their own in that match, where, like, Eddie hit the frog splashes, and then he brought out the ladder and hit the frog splash on Taker, and Taker you know kicked out sat up and eddie had like the greatest facial expression to that and just seeing that made me want to see that for like a year long and i think if eddie would have not unfortunately passed away i think 2006 even to wrestlemania 23 and back up batista and taker to another year i think eddie and taker in the main event of 23 would have been would have been something
0: yeah uh, he, they may have even put him in twenty two if they didn't give Undertaker the title shot. They may have gotten that's Undertaker true. Guerrero. Yeah,
1: wasn't Eddie supposed to face Sean Was that I the think original plan? Oh was Eddie gonna face Shawn in twenty two. Because
0: that's probably. what I heard,
1: and I think that would have been. Oof, that would have If that Something was the case,
0: you know? if that was the case, if Guerrero would have lived another year, twenty three, probably would have gotten Taker. That
1: would have been. Oh man, a classic with
0: Sean and then
1: a classic with Taker twenty three. Yeah. Right, so sign me up. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and it, I remember that photo of Guerrero because I—that's that's the photo of Undertaker sitting up and Guerrero being shot. That's the photo that they yeah. use like on WWE's pr- uh, promotion for that match. If you want to watch the match on YouTube or anything, money that's shot. that's the that's the money shot they use. And um,
1: yeah, there was chemistry there.
0: It was, and it just un- it just shows like how Undertaker works so well with smaller guys.
1: Yeah. So oh yeah, for sure. Which leads me to my next guy. Um, you know, I think. You look at these two guys who have been on SmackDown for how many years. You've got Benoit, you got Taker.
2: Mm-hmm. Both
1: of them have been on SmackDown for how long? They were both really SmackDown originals. And to my recollection, they've only had about two, three singles matches together. They did the one at Rebellion 2000, which wasn't yep. too bad, um, but was short. Um, and then they had, I think, one on Raw and one on SmackDown in the same year in 2000. But um, they also, too, if anybody is a SmackDown guru, and they love SmackDown, Well, remember that there was a triple threat right after SummerSlam. It was uh, Angle, Benoit, yes. Taker. Yeah. Really good match. It was a really good match. It should have been on pay-per-view. If is
0: that the one... That's the number one contendership match, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, for for the Undisputed title. Mm-hmm. And then Undertaker faced Brockett. Unforgiven because of that. So, it was a really good match. Taker and Taker Benoit had some really good sequences. And Undertaker ended up winning with the last ride mm-hmm. to, to Benoit. And it's like, man... That, that was like a pre appetizer, you know, for for, for, for something that could have happened. And I think even when Chris returned in 06 after his sabbatical, I think that could have been a feud leading into the Royal Rumble, even for the title. So, like, if we're going to go back a little bit, you know, Taker can beat Kurt for the title, and then Benoit can take the title off Taker. Benoit drops it to Batista, which leads to Taker winning the Rumble.
2: Mm-hmm. And then
1: you can have Benoit and Regal for WrestleMania 23, and then you can also have. Taker and Batista in the main event, or you could still do Benoit MVP because that was good too. But I think Benoit and Regal was 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 more fitting for a mania match. So, yeah. Um, that that feud should have definitely happened along with Taker and Guerrero. Mm-hmm. Those are the two that come to my mind.
0: Yeah, and um, I know Undertaker and Benoit they were in that multi man match at Unforgiven in two thousand. Yes. So it's like yes, they were in that four way. Yeah. yeah. So it's like Undertaker is like always in the mix and like multi-man matches with these two, okay. and but never got the chance to showcase it on the big stage, just oh, yeah, one-on-one. And it's too
1: bad because I remember, too, I think it was in February or March of 2007, Benoit was doing an interview in the UK for, uh, for a WrestleMania 23 press conference, and they asked him uh, who his favorite opponents were and he said, you know, Triple H and Booker T and I think Finley was in there too and he said, the one person that I've never had a big singles program with was with The Undertaker. So I think if everything would have came to fruition, I think that would have eventually happened Mm -hmm. and if it did happen, oh man, I think we would have had some really good pay-per-view matches out of those two because benoit and kurt are very similar so you could imagine what benoit and taker would do a pay-per-view you know, yeah with 25 30 minutes especially with taker in his physical peak in like 06 07 so yeah that's definitely one feud that if i could go back in time i would have wanted to have seen
0: yeah um definitely um in 06 i think that was like the best time to do it yes, um, I agree. if he would have not done what he have done in 07 probably we would have gotten like Undertaker-Benoit instead of like the Undertaker-Henry feud we got near the end of the year. Yeah that so. would have
1: been nice yeah or even at a, even out a Future Mania and I remember I talked to yeah. one of my uh, friends with this on Twitter um, about, about Benoit and Taker feud and I said let's say if we're going to theorize okay Chris Benoit let's say he, he has to retire in like 2008 or 2009 right they find out about his concussions and whatever and they say hey listen and they kind of do what they did to Daniel Bryan they say you can't wrestle anymore you gotta stop because it's just gonna get worse mm-hmm. but Wrestlemania 27 happens to be in Atlanta
0: oh that's and, right, that's, that's right. And,
1: he's, and he's gonna go in the Hall of Fame he's gonna be the number one inductee going to the Hall of Fame in Atlanta because he's already not been retired for two or three years at this point but then he never had that last match so the old gunfighter Chris Benoit comes out of retirement, one last fight, and he wants to try and take down the streak. Mm. And it's Benoit and Taker. It's never happened before at a big stage. It's very rarely ever been done. Two legends of their generation, and then Taker goes what what I think would be like nineteen and zero at that time, and then Benoit going right off into the sunset with that big with that big mania program, just going in the Hall of Fame, and then I think that would have been the perfect way for him to go out if everything would have fell into pieces, but. Um, that's just speculation at best
0: yeah I mean it's almost like pulling a Ric Flair Ric Flair goes in the Hall of Fame the day before and then has his final match the next day
1: it's like that Terry Funk one last ride like I have one good fight left in me and I'm gonna I'm gonna give it everything I have yeah so it's like one of those like old western movies where that gunfighter comes back for that one last fight to see if he can still pull it off so Mm -hmm. I love stories like that so I think that would have been perfect for a Wrestlemania
0: yeah and of course if you know, you take away the whole tragedy thing; they probably would have been more susceptible to clear him for a match. Now they wouldn't, absolutely.
1: because yeah, absolutely. It, and I think, especially with a few years, and I'm no, I'm no expert, but I think with a few years off of not taking bumps, it, it probably would have helped. So, you know, it helped. You know, Daniel Bryan and look at where he's at; he's 100, percent and you know. He missed out on a couple of years of his prime, but he came back better than ever and had that great heel run with uh, with the WWE title and put over Kofi at Mania, which was one of my favorite moments. He had a classic with Brock Lesnar at Survivor Series in 2018, yeah. which is one of my favorite matches ever. And so sometimes you just need a break. Like, like I know it's a different injury, but look at Edge. Yeah. You know, they, they told him, like, listen, man, you bump again, you're going to die. Mm-hmm. You have that chance. If you fall the wrong way, you're, you're going to die. You're, you're going to be paralyzed. And nine years later, after he got that second fusion, he's back in, and at forty-seven, he's still one of the best in the world. Yeah. So the possibility was definitely there, and I think if he would have Benoit would have received the help that he could have had, I think you know we would remember, obviously remember him in a different way, but we also would have gotten a great feud with Taker. Yeah. So
0: of course, yeah. If you are if altering the history here, you know WWE changed a whole. Uh, concussion stuff and everything they deal with the, um, you know, the doctors and everything because of what happened with Benoit. If that never happened, you know, you you changing all of the stuff that, you know, they can clear people so it easily. It's to get to that point. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yep. It is it's sad, started, but
1: it's saddled have to get to that point. But um, I know I'm going a bit off topic. But you know, if for for anybody who's starting in the business. Now they're gonna feel more comfortable because if you do have a concussion or if you even think you're injured, you're probably not gonna compete that night. At best, you're gonna go out there and cut a promo. Yeah. Or even so, it's, it's like I think that's a good thing because a lot of guys from the older days that you see from the 70s and even 80s and even 90s now, they don't have an old age. A lot of these guys they 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 either overdose on painkillers or you know or they can't walk or they can barely move or their memories depleted and you know it's it's just a sad thing to see you know like there's mm. been a couple wrestlers that I've met and I won't mention who they are on air I will off air but <laughs> I had met a couple of them and they were super nice guys but I felt bad for the state that they were in you know like they they couldn't walk properly and I was you know I asked one of them to take a picture and get a really hard time sitting up to get up to take the picture and I felt really I kind of guilted myself after for asking but I didn't know so it's it's just stuff like that, you know. Um, and hopefully, the people that are in the same generation as I am, when they're done wrestling, whatever age that might be, they can still be able to walk when they're done. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I guess I guess the Benoit tragedy with the concussion stuff was for the better in the end. It just sucks that it had to have a, a casualty in one of the probably five best performers I've ever seen. But
0: it's like that, take her. yeah, I mean it's it's like that with everything. It just takes one huge. Bad thing to happen. Well, in like the NFL,
1: right?
0: Yeah, and then like, I mean,
1: and, I, and I'm not even a, I'm not even a National Football League fan, but you can see how the, the game's going to be changing because of concussions. So, like, look at Samoa Joe; still won't yeah. clear him. No one will.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, and it sucks because Samoa Joe's great, but. At least, uh, I don't know. At least Taker was clear most of the time, right? Since we're yeah. uh, since we're talking about Taker. And I was
0: just gonna say, you know, <laughs> Undertaker said this many times. Uh, Austin, Triple H, it like in the Attitude era, and even before. If you were injured, you went out there.
1: Yeah. Triple H said about.
0: Yeah. Triple H said he saw Undertaker duct taping a, a vest to his ribs. Yeah. So they don't pop out of his skin, just so he. Just because he was advertised to fight, he was going to go out there and fight.
1: Broken uh, orbital bone too. I remember that yeah. with uh, with Mabel, and he still he got that mask made, that mm-hmm. white phantom mask, and still went out and, and worked. And it, you know, m- most people would be out of commission, but mm-hmm. that's why Taker's so respected because I don't think anybody could could do what he did no. physically in the room, because like most guys would be out six months to a year. And mm-hmm. I I know I heard this story too. I think it was. It might have been Dave Meltzer that reported it. He said he had dinner with one of the top guys in the company in 1997 and said, you know, Taker's great and all, but be lucky if he has another year left. And then he still went another 12 years after that, if not more. You know, so that's a testament to how tough Taker is, and especially, like, in the last ride documentaries, you know, I think we saw how tough he was yeah. with all the hips and injuries and, you know. It's unreal what he's put his body through, but at the end of the day, if it wasn't for him, I don't think WWE would be where it's at right now.
0: Exactly. Um, well, he's, he's like the
1: most important star besides, like I think him, him and uh, him, Austin and Bruno Sammartino, probably the three most important stars mm-hmm. in the history of business. I really do.
0: Yeah, and, you know, you got Hogan and Andre who brought like yeah. the mainstream yeah. into it. And Um, then you have... Yeah,
1: WrestleMania, for sure.
0: And then you have Undertaker and Stone Cold, who made sure the house didn't fall. Yeah. Basically. Oh, yeah, for
1: sure. It's like, I always say that Bruno started it, Hogan carried it, Austin carried it and brought it back to prominence, but Taker was the one constant that just kept going and never, ever really fell. You know, he, he was always really the guy... Mm -hmm. Even though WWE has their thing, their one-guy system where it's like, okay, we're going to put Hogan at the top, and then we're going to put Warrior at the top, and then Savage, and then Austin and Rock, and Triple H, and and guys like that. But really, Taker was always deep down the guy, and I think Vince would admit that.
0: I know. I I think he would too. It's just something, you know, uh, Undertaker's always been like... Vince always knew he had him. He didn't... He's
1: the most reliable, man. He's the most reliable go-to performer you could ever have. If anything ever... Yeah, Did if you I, want to be in the foxhole with Taker, if you had to be there, mm-hmm.
0: if anything, if anything ever happened to anybody in the company, Vince still knew that Undertaker was on call and he, if he needed him.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think I think that still remains true to this day because I yeah. feel like, and I'm not saying that Taker's gonna wrestle again, but if I feel like if Vince absolutely needed him, he would do it.
0: That's what I think. Yeah, so, he, that's even what he said at the end of the last fight documentary. You know, exactly. he, he wants to be done, but if Vince needs him, he'll be there.
1: And I know Drew McIntyre keeps telling Vince to ask him. <laughs> because I know. Drew really wants that match now that he's seasoned. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, Taker went out in a great way with uh, with AJ Styles. So yeah. I don't really know if there's much left to prove.
0: I know. I always say that, but I'm selfish and I would love to see him fight again.
1: But Just I'll still mark out. Like If Taker comes back, I'm obviously going to mark out. I don't care what year it is. I'm still going to be a fan at heart. Of course. And I'm going to... You know, five to ten-year-old me is going to come out anytime I see Taker. Like, I still pop and jump out of my seat. My, no matter how I'm feeling that day, no matter what's going on, if Taker's showing up, you can bet I'm going to be there.
0: Yeah. My favorite... Sit on um, my
1: TV. Mm-hmm.
0: My favorite saying is from Bruce Pritchard. He always says that... Um, Undertaker could be seventy years old and in a walker, but people will still pay tickets to see him come out and raise the lights.
1: Yeah, I mean, Taker could be out on his deathbed—no pun intended—and I think people would still want to see Taker because it's Taker. Yeah, he's a, you know, he's a commodity. He's a draw, and I know we'll probably get into this later, but I think when Taker does go in the Hall of Fame, he should be the only one that goes in that year. Yeah,
0: I have said yeah. But, I,
1: because I just think it's such a big moment, you know. And they've treated him like he's the greatest of all time, which, in my opinion, he is. Mm-hmm. And man, there's been no, nobody's ever been like that. It's yeah. gone that long and been that consistent. And, and especially m- taking a gimmick that was supposed to be a throwaway gimmick and turned it to the greatest gimmick ever, y- you're the best ever yeah. on that, right on the spot. Especially with how great he was in the ring, too. Mm-hmm. And you have that on top and his storytelling ability. Man, it's like the perfect worker.
0: Yeah. And they can make a whole night out of just, like, his friends and past rivals coming out talking about stories about it.
1: Oh, that would be awesome. Just like every hour or so or half an hour, have people come out, like have Kane come out, you know, Shane, the Godfather, Mm -hmm. you know, the whole Bone Street crew.
0: So you you have like, he has all these. God
1: rest his soul. But, you know, like they could do stuff like that. It would be awesome. It'd be a huge draw. And especially if fans are back, man, you'd get a huge crowd for that. Yeah.
0: And you have all these, and then I would have Vince be the final Inductor, and then Undertaker comes out.
1: Yeah, I, I, I still want him to come out in his gear, though. I don't want it. I want it, man. I if know. Taker, if Taker comes out in his gear, but still, like, out of character, it'd be, like, the coolest thing ever, because I'm just, like... I used to question when I was younger if Undertaker was even a gimmick. So, <laughs> that's how good he was. You know, I know. We actually thought, you know, of Taker in that way, that he was... Actually, like that in real life. So, and you know when you have people intrigued like that, you've done your job.
0: Oh, exactly. I mean, I didn't even see him do anything except hang Austin on a, on a cross symbol, rolling his eyes in rolling his eyes in the back of his head. And I've been a fan for like twenty three years.
1: My grandmother, when we used to watch wrestling, Serbian lady, and she had she had a great accent too. I love European accents. She. Would watch The Undertaker with me, and I wouldn't say she hated The Undertaker, but she didn't love him either. I think <laughs> she was more scared of him. It's like that thing, you'd rather be feared than loved. I think that's Taker, even though everyone loves him, but fears him. Mm-hmm. And he took his hat off, and he rolled his eyes in the back of his head, and, and you know the thunder went and everything, and she like went like this. Just like cringed away, and I remember just laughing. <laughs> I was just laughing because she thought wrestling was real, and all like I'm eventually gonna tell that story in other projects I'm doing. But um, she thought wrestling was real, and she thought Taker was real, so That's, therefore I thought it was real.
0: You know, that just speaks to a testament of his character and just him, you know, um, sticking to it for thirty years.
1: He- yeah, it's and especially to Just think. Uh, Sorry from of getting too ahead, but just think if Vince wouldn't have broke the streak at thirty, mm-hmm. and he could have got like another six, seven manias at a taker. Yeah, with that streak, and that would have been seven big drawing points. And you know, I think I'm in the majority. I don't think the streak should have ended. I really don't. I really don't think it should have ended.
0: I How agree. I, I agree. And we some can. Some people,
1: some people disagree because they think it's good for the business. But I look at it this way. Sometimes wins and losses don't always matter, mm-hmm. and when you're in a singles match with Taker at WrestleMania, which is the equivalent to the Stanley Cup Finals in Game Seven, <laughs> and you're in that spot with him one on one in a singles match, you're you're already put over. Yeah, it already proves how the company thinks of you. Yeah. So you're already automatically put over. It doesn't really matter, you know, to be one of those people that was in a streak match with Taker, you're already put on the pedestal. Mm-hmm. look at Randy Orton and I know we talked about Randy Orton earlier he was the legend killer and everyone thought oh legend killer okay he's breaking Taker's streak he didn't break Taker's streak but Randy Orton got more over by just facing Taker in that whole program and even at Mania and it didn't mean anything in the end that he lost no. so you know and, and, and a lot of people get confused with, with wins and losses just because you lose doesn't mean you're done you know it's not like if you've seen that Spongebob gift thing where it shows like him and Patrick standing there with with the um, casket it says okay get in <laughs> I see a lot of people post that after somebody loses, and that's not always the case. Like, in some cases, yeah, I get it when it's a complete burial, and I'm sure we have many examples, but um, losing to Tegra Mania is not one of those.
0: No. And um, I think that's – always, I have always always think that's probably Vince's greatest blunder.
1: Like, man, you should have seen some, uh, some people at that theater when he lost. Or there was a BS chant going.
0: Yeah, I saw people People were I, not happy. I saw people leave the arena at WrestleMania when I'm watching it at, at home and network. People were just leaving.
1: In Canada, we didn't have the network yet. So what we used to do is go to... Uh, there was a place in my city called Silver City, and it was like the, a huge movie theater. And that's where all the wrestling marks used to go. And I all think that's with each awesome. Other, and I'm usually not a social person, but... I would converse with wrestling fans and we would all talk about, you know, the card and Taker and Brock, even though it wasn't a great match, which we all know because Taker was injured, but I was mad. And my dad was there with me. He was mad. He hasn't really watched it since, since they did break the streak. And he told me that it came down to the reason that Vince knew that his card was crap. If we're staying PG and, um, and he wanted something to talk about yeah because my dad thought it was a lousy card it was and and that's and that's you know that's subjective you know I, we're all entitled to our opinions which you know he he didn't like the card at all because he thought it was really lazily put together especially for the 30th anniversary and he didn't like that taker loss because they ruined something big
2: yeah
1: like it's and... like well like if brock would have beat taker at SummerSlam. I think everyone would have been fine with that. Oh, yeah, who like, cares? If Taker, would have, if Taker would have beat him at WrestleMania 30 and then Brock beat him at SummerSlam 14, there would have been no issue.
0: No, who cares? Because nobody remembers SummerSlam.
1: Yeah, usually not. Yeah. And But, but they also made that mistake with Brock where he lost to Cena in Triple H and he really shouldn't have. So I think Vince oh, yeah. needed to give... I think Vince felt like he needed to give Brock that win, that really big win. Uh, because he, already, he had already lost two matches and he was only like two years back in the company. So,
0: yeah.
1: I understand that point of view, but...
0: Then should not never had H- him lose those two.
1: Well, Triple H and Cena should've went over. That's... that's. I think a lot of people agree on that, but I think if Brock in this entire run would've literally just lost to Taker and not anybody else, like, in a... via pinfall, it wouldn't have hurt anybody.
0: Yeah. I agree. But um,
1: yeah. I don't know, man. It's like, I wish Taker... Had a title like
0: that around, though. I know. I, I love the title you have there. <laughs> um, but, yeah, getting back to the streak, I... I don't know if... Like, the business... I don't know if it ever fully recovered from it.
1: I don't think WrestleMania has. I, I don't mean,
0: think WrestleMania has, at least. But it just seems like something lost it that night. Because, you I'm know, you Luster have... Was
1: lost. I agree, because... What happened when you took the streak away was there was a lot of momentum leading into mania about that streak, and you took away an entire storyline. Yeah. That was ongoing, but never got stale. Mm -hmm. And you took that forever Mm because, and then they had to lose again to Roman at 33. Um, So they took away that streak and then undertaker's drawing power at mania. Unfortunately, as much as I hate to admit it, it diminished. Mm-hmm. Because he didn't have the streak, so his matches, even though it was still a big match because it was Taker on the cart it didn't mean as much because there was nothing on the line. It was a singles match, mm-hmm. so I don't agree with them breaking the streak. I didn't. I listened to Vince's explanation on the Stone Cold podcast about breaking it, and I thought it was a very, in all due respect to Vince, but I thought it was a very short-sighted, irrational decision. And he really didn't think it out. I think he thought it out for for like 10 minutes and then went, okay, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. And it didn't benefit anybody in the long run because he essentially gave the explanation that he wanted to build up Brock for WrestleMania 31, which was the next year. And then 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 Brock Brock was going to drop the title. And then Brock was going to drop the title. And it's like Brock was already built up. He built himself up in 2002. Mm -hmm. And then he built himself up back in the UFC after he left. And then he built himself back up But when he beat Triple H after he shouldn't have even lost in the first place And then he beat CM Punk in that great match at SummerSlam So Brock didn't need to be built up Brock's Brock, he's a draw regardless if he's WWE champion or not He's going to be a draw wherever he is on the card mm-hmm. So I think Vince's explanation wasn't adequate
0: Yeah, it's also, it's it seems like he knows he fucked up But, he won't admit that he did.
1: And I think Taker, you know, but Taker's a company guy, so Taker's gonna do whatever Vince tells him. But Taker Mm -hmm. did tell Vince, per the Broken Skull Sessions with Stone Cold, he said, I don't think Brock needs it. Mm Mm-hmm, I know, I heard that. But if that's what you want to do, then, I guess that's what we're gonna do. Yeah, cause he... And I I really wish Taker, and I know it sounds selfish, but I really wish Taker would've put his ego first that day.
0: Me too. Uh, Undertaker is very selfless... He always puts Vince in the business first, but I feel like on many occasions he should have put his foot down.
1: I I wish he would have because I think I think something got ruined with WrestleMania and, you know, and I'm not trying to sound like one of those disgruntled fans who just hates everything that the WWE does because I don't, but you know, when you take something away that special exactly
2: especially,
1: and especially with no benefit to it at the end, it wasn't like you know, Roman Reigns beat him when Roman Reigns was just starting, or it wasn't like somebody who needed it, like Bray Wyatt at that time, you know? And I'm not saying that they should have broke the streak in general, but if you absolutely had to break the streak, it should have been the, someone who would have benefited their entire career. Like a Bray Wyatt would have came in as the cult leader and beat The Undertaker, you know, even even if it was at SummerSlam or whatever, that would have made Bray Wyatt.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But, but you know, he went with the established vet and Brock, and I don't think it benefited anybody because they didn't really have any lead up to it. Yeah. And then they shied away from it and then they had, you know, a couple good matches, you know, at SummerSlam and Hell in a Cell and then, which was good, don't get me wrong, but it should have been the other way around.
0: I agree. And it's something that, um, what I was going to say, um,
1: it should have been Brock trying to avenge the WrestleMania loss and not take her. Yeah. That's what I,
0: exactly. And it's like, Undertaker, Undertaker went in he said he he, in that morning of the WrestleMania He thought he was winning And
1: it's it's supposed to go over until the last like couple hours.
0: Yeah, and then Vince springs it on him and then he talks to Vince like You sure you want to do this because it's so late to the game and everything and Vince, you know Oh, I know I know what I'm doing and everything and it just he didn't
1: It's a very rational decision. Yeah, and very impulsive too. Yeah, and that's very
0: and that's very unlike Vince yeah, because, because Vince Vince, usually,
1: Vince likes to think Vince, things out Yeah, he thinks things out And he, uh, he always has something planned Going into the future And I don't think that day he had anything mm-hmm. Besides Daniel Bryan winning the title That was literally all he had for that card Because, let's face it If you take away The Daniel Bryan story from WrestleMania 30 It's a pretty forgettable show Yeah it, it's, it's, it's a very forgettable show And it's a show so, that should
0: have meant so much Since it's the 30th anniversary
1: you know Well, I, I don't think it helped because there was a lot of things going on. Like they lost CM Punk. Oh. The crowd turned out Batista, but they should have known better and just went with Brian anyway. Because mm-hmm. he was red hot. And then they should have did, you know, the whites and the shield for Mania. Mm-hmm. That would have been perfect for WrestleMania. I, I I don't I don't know how that happened on the pay per view before, which was the chamber. I don't know how that happened before Mania. That should have been like a huge match for WrestleMania thirty. Yeah. You know, and then and then they could have done, you know brian and hunter still and then brian and orton in the main event or something like that you know or just they could have done something like that but if they could have kept punk around i would have done punk and brian as the as the main event for that show but that's wishful thinking
0: yeah and they were gonna have him gonna they were gonna have punk fight and lose to triple h if i think if i remember correctly
1: um i think he was gonna win he was i think punk was supposed to win yeah that's what he said on the Colt Cabana podcast anyway. I don't know if Vince was scheduling on the win, but Punk said on the... Well, you podcast, know how Vince was
0: that morning. Anything
1: could have happened. But, but Vince will tell you you're going over, and then all of a sudden, you know, the, the day you get there, hey, hey, Hunter's going to pedigree and then boom, see you later. Yeah. So, you know, something like that could have happened, but at the same time, it's like Punk had already worked Triple H enough at that point. So I, I, I would have done Punk and Bryan. For Mania 30 in the main event, that's I think that's a match everybody would have wanted, and it would have been great. Yeah, Those two people that they love and Daniel Bryan could have had his moment. He, you could have created the story that you know Punk already had his moment. He had his long title run that was over a year long, and now it's Bryan's time, and then Bryan beats Punk. Mm-hmm. That's what I That's what I would have done. And
0: but, going back to Punk, it, it goes back to your other point that you made. He lost to Undertaker, and that didn't even hurt him.
1: No. No, and Punk had no problem putting over Taker, but Punk was putting over everybody in 2013. He put over Rock and twice, and then Rock went away after Mania, and then he put over Taker, which didn't, which wasn't, you know, it wasn't bad at all because you know you're facing Taker at Mania, but then he put over Brock, and then Brock goes away until the Royal Rumble, and then so I get his frustration, mm-hmm. but he loved wrestling Taker, but he thought he and Taker should have went on last.
0: I agree. I agree. I agree they should have won on last. Um, it should have
1: been for the title. It should have been Street vs. title. One has to give. That's that's Ooh, what I would have done. Oh, done. so you would
0: have kept Punk as champion. Yes. Going in fi- and have Undertaker challenge for the title.
1: Yes. So what I would have done is the year before, I would have turned John Cena heel. Okay. Against The Rock at WrestleMania 28. Beat him in Miami. Oh, that's right. right. Right in the main event. John Cena low blows him, knocks down the ref, does the Rock's people's elbow, hits him with the Rock bottom, and then attitude adjustment win. Heel turn done. John Cena beats Punk, and then has the summer of Cena in 2012 as the heel champion. And then Punk can eventually go heel too, but then Cena drops the title back to Punk, and then Punk goes back to being a, a, a delusional heel after he beats Cena. And then Undertaker can win the Rumble in 13.
0: Oh, so okay. so and you give an Undertaker two Royal Rumble wins.
1: Yeah, That's yeah, good. He Rumble wins. He
0: deserved, he deserved more, than
1: yeah, he, he more than one. Yeah, he should have won more than one. And then what you can do is have the I 500 day, because it would have been like day 500 by the time Mania rolled around. So day 500 title run, longest of the modern era against the 20-0 streak and one has to get. Mm. And that's the
2: tagline.
1: And then... Punk's title ring gets, Undertaker wins the title, and then you do a three-way at the next pay-per-view between Cena, Punk, and Taker. Ooh. And then Cena can win the title back after beating Rocket Mania again. And then Punk can go away for a while to heal up. Taker goes away till next year's Mania to eventually feud with John Cena and get his revenge. And then Cena can still drop the title to Daniel Bryan. That's what I would have done. But... Okay. I don't know if it sounds too convoluted, but... Cena can take the title off Taker at the pay per view, which is Extreme Rules, after Mania 29, and it's, then Taker can come, can come back in 2014, throw Cena out of the Rumble, even though Taker is not in it. He just appears and throws him out to cost him, and then you get Cena and Taker for 30. Mm hmm. So that's what I would have done. No, I think in that, that way, you book Taker for the next two years.
0: Yeah, I always wanted Cena and Undertaker at 30.
1: Yeah, that's what should have happened.
0: That's what should have <laughs> happened. On the,
1: and then when we got it at 34, it was two minutes.
0: Yeah. Undertaker, train for thir- Undertaker trains for 30, he gets three.
1: And he looked great. Yeah. He looked fantastic. And he probably could have done a 20-minute match. Oh, and
0: yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't at know. At least he
1: went over. <laughs> I don't know. At least he went over. So I guess I was happy.
0: That's true. Because you never know with Cena. Uh,
1: um, well, I mean, I think there's enough respect there that if, you know, if Taker's going over... Yeah. Taker's going over.
0: <laughs> I don't think so, they would have brought him back to lose back to no. back.
1: No, definitely not. And then, and then he ended up facing AJ. Mm-hmm. You know, he skipped out on thirty-five, and then faced AJ last year. And I, I didn't even know what to think when I heard it was going to be a going to be a boneyard match because we know a lot of buried alive matches are good. Like the only other good one was Taker and Mankind, and the rest of them weren't that good. Yeah. So I didn't know what to expect. But Taker and AJ, they tore the roof off. The proverbial roof. There wasn't really a roof.
0: But... And it's like the only two Beard alive matches he ever won. The Mankind and AJ. <laughs> yeah,
1: you, know, lost <laughs> you lost the rest of them. lost the like, rest of them. Lost to Vince. Lost to Kane. Lost to Austin.
0: Oh my god.
1: Don't match, man.
0: I know. But uh, But
1: hey, I mean, the guys had the greatest career of all time. So yeah. he turned something that was never supposed to work into the greatest phenomenon in pro wrestling history. So, Yeah. I mean... He's made his mark, that's for sure, no pun no
0: intended. No pun intended. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just... Sometimes I like, you know, like revisiting history, seeing what we, you would have done uh, differently and everything. Uh-huh. And um, your idea of Undertaker beating Punk for the championship at uh, 29 is something I never really thought about. I didn't really think about, you know, Undertaker capturing the title there. But I think to set up Cena at uh, Thirty, I think it works perfectly right there.
1: Well, because then he has a reason to go after him. He took mm-hmm. the title from him, and then so Cena's in the Rumble, not the champion anymore, but he wants it back, and then Taker costs him the Rumble. Just yeah, gong goes off. Taker stands in the ring, throws him out, and leaves. Yeah, and then boom, there's your Mania program. So and you would have switched,
0: yeah. and you would have switched the winners for the Rock ones. You would have had Cena win the first one and Rock win the rematch. Um,
1: I would have seen win both. You had Cena win both. And, and the reason why is because Rock's schedule was not reliable. And I really, the Rock's so selfless that I don't think Rock would have necessarily cared.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If it made sense, I see what I would have, because Cena's still going to be around for years after this. Rock's not going to wrestle again, unless if you really count that Mania 32 match with, you know, Rowan. But that doesn't really count. So Rock hasn't wrestled really since that match in 29. This, and if we're going to yeah. know that and Rock's not going to be around, but Cena's going to be there the next day. What's the point of having Cena lose? Mm-hmm. So Cena can go heel for one year, turn heel at 28, and then still go into into 29 as a heel, but vow that he wants to beat the Rock clean and still have a sense of integrity. And then he can beat the Rock clean, and then Rock goes away back off to Tinseltown. And then Cena can resume his babyface run after having a really good one-year heel run. That's what I would have done. Yeah. And then that way that way the crowd gets their scene a heel turn, it happens, it's good, and then it doesn't overstay its welcome, it's not too long, and then that's normal. Yeah. And that's what I would've done.
0: That's interesting. I, I and also I wonder what would have happened in the Punk Undertaker match if Paul Bear didn't die. That's always something that's always I'm something I, I thought. I think the original
1: plan was Paul Bear was gonna manage him. It wasn't since Punk had Heyman, Taker would bring in Paul Bear and that big plan. Wow. I think that would have been awesome.
0: That would have been loved that. I wonder if the winner would have changed. I wonder if they would. I, I don't know. I don't know if they I don't, I don't
1: know.
0: I don't know if Undertaker would have t- said to have Punk break it, because Undertaker Finally. always wanted someone you know who was an up and coming you know to take it. I think
1: Sorry. we found that out with Brock that Vince wanted it to be somebody established, which. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but Punk, Punk and Hen had a great match.
0: I agree. I mean, they always well, have great the feuds. The they always had great the feuds. The they had. I like the O Nine feud, and I liked the uh, revisiting in yeah. Thirteen.
1: Yeah, they had great chemistry, and I, I'm happy that it happened at a WrestleMania. Me too. I wanted Undertaker and Jeff Hardy for a WrestleMania too. If Jeff Hardy Ooh. would have stuck around, the, you know, during those prime years, I, I would have loved to have seen that too. But. And I'm, Jeff Hardy wanted it too He wanted to, uh, to wrestle Undertaker and Hell in the cell And Swanton off the top
0: Yeah I mean You know That's that's someone If Undertaker wants to come back and fight again I'm sure he can trust Jeff Hardy To give him a good match
1: I still love Jeff man I still do I still watch that Raw match Between him and Jeff Hardy From July 1st oh, yes. see, Time to time It's one of my favorite ladder matches ever Just, just the story's so brilliantly told And well done and, It is But 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 since we're moving on to, to later years You've met Taker Yes what was
0: it like? Uh, it was everything I hoped it to be. Only I wish it was yeah. longer. Me
1: too. I,
0: I met Me him. Too. I met him twice. I met him in 2015, right before he had a SummerSlam match against uh, Lesnar.
1: Brock.
0: Yeah. And then I met him again in November of 2019.
1: And so lucky,
0: I met him twice. I met him twice.
1: Um, that but that's a rarity.
0: It is. And the first time I met him I um, Had him sign the photo we took and at the end of the me I uh, At the end of the meeting. I gave him one of those little thumb wrestlers of himself
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, and
0: and I told him I told him I uh, I told him how I've been a fan for over 20 years and how uh, he was the reason that I'm a fan of wrestling and I'm a collector of his stuff and I just wanted to give you something and he looked at it and I'll always remember what he said he said thanks buddy for this I'm gonna need this on Sunday
1: and (laughs) he hits Brock in the head with it and (laughs) somehow goes over exactly
0: and then um, when I met him again in 2019 I told him that how I met him a few years prior and then I gave him a thumb wrestler, and then he leaned back in his chair, and he goes, "Okay, I think I remember that." And, oh, that's awesome. And I said, "Well, I wanted to keep the tradition alive of giving you something, so I gave him one of those little uh, Funko mystery minis of himself."
1: Yeah.
0: And he he There's said, so "Yeah," and he says, "Well, thank you again for giving me something," and he put it in, and he proceeded to put it in his pocket. And that's awesome. I know, and I, I, you know, sometimes I think, you know, somewhere in his house, he may have these things somewhere in display, or in a drawer, or somewhere, Guess one day
1: we're going to have to find out when there's an Undertaker exhibit, Exactly. The, the Wrestling Hall of Fame, when
0: they make one, I looked, I looked very closely in that, uh, Most Wanted Treasures episode, when he went into his storage locker, see if it was in any one of those oh, boxes, yeah. <laughs> I can't
1: believe, I can't believe that purple jacket, that he I had, know. that Phantom jacket, was still in main condition, and just sitting in a storage union. i know and now and, it's gonna be it because i think wwe is making a physical hall of fame that's what i think their goal is they're gonna make a real like like how they have the hockey hall of fame in toronto they're mm-hmm. gonna do a WWE one and probably i'm assuming orlando or, i hope so. so
0: i hope so i so. hope they make good use of everything they're getting with this
1: i'll go with a heartbeat <laughs> I would yeah go in a heartbeat i you know from canada i would i would get on a I i would get on a flight in detroit and i'd be heading to florida
0: i i'm in florida so we'll make we'll make it a meetup
1: yeah, yeah, we're going to have to around the performance center Yeah, where, uh, where I'm going to sweat and probably take bad bumps.
0: <laughs> you know, I they already have something so great in the archives, you know, I hope that maybe they, like, maybe make that the museum or something cause, or just create, like, a whole huge building dedicated to it.
1: Oh, I got something I'm putting in my archives that I have a taker. I got that 8x10 of us. Going face to face, man. And really? I have two of them. I have two copies. Yeah, I'm just saving up some money because I want to get it framed, framed like with a collage and stuff. Ooh. And I'm gonna put it up. I'm gonna put it up back here. Nice. And, uh, it's it's gonna be. I, I managed to get two pictures with him. So the first picture, I didn't even look in the camera. He he held this. I asked him I asked him to hold this, and he did. And then they said after because apparently you weren't supposed to have props in the photo ops. I don't know why. Oh really? It, yeah, because it was like okay, you guys get like 10-15 seconds, and then you know say something to him, take your picture, and then go. Because he was only supposed to be there for like two hours or something.
0: But, but oh, I oh yeah, he stayed extra. they always. I
1: think he stayed extra. Oh yeah, I really he did. He
0: because they only so, they only had him like for two hours for us too. Yeah. And I, after I got my picture and after I talked to him and everything, I walked around the uh, the center like the um, like wherever that was, and that yeah. was like. And I I walked around and I did stuff and like two hours later. He was still like signing autographs
1: Yeah, because I mean if if, if somebody's gonna pay that much to get you know, take your autographs Like you can't leave them hanging you got to give them what they came for So I traveled three hours to go to Niagara Falls where he was to go And meet him because that's where he was gonna be at i'm in windsor Which is like one of the most southern parts of ontario. It's right across from detroit. Okay, and um and, and Niagara Falls is right by Toronto it's like an hour from each other so it's like um we had to drive three hours and then I well, I met everyone else the date before because Taker was scheduled for Sunday so I I met Road Warrior Animal I met Paul Honor I met Sergeant Slaughter Why? all the guys to meet it's too bad Animal passed away God rest his soul but he was fantastic to me I got a whole bunch of stuff signed from him and and got a picture taken with him and I actually have the four by six picture up on my shelf right here of animal and i
0: oh wow that's awesome yeah
1: and he he was he was he was awesome uh he was awesome to meet uh he was super cool and i always heard he was the nice road warrior (laughs) um that's what rob van dam said too but um so i met taker the the day after and i remember that night i did not sleep good because i was like so worried that i wasn't going to get there on time to meet him because i knew the line was going to be ballistic oh. so it was yeah. like the line was gonna be nuts and the line was big i'm happy i had those those uh, fast lane tickets because if i wouldn't have i would have been waiting a really long time and i went there and i had six autographs that i wanted to get signed Ooh. i saved up i had six on i had six undertaker tickets for autographs and i remember they said the limit's three and i'm like uh-uh i'm getting six so
0: this is odd this is an odd one because I know ones I did people took pictures with props they gave them titles to hold and everything it was so it it was so micromanaged
1: and there was people
0: that had like 5 or 10 stuff that he was signing in line that I saw
1: yeah and you weren't allowed to personalize anything they said guys no personalizations I'm like okay, well that's fine. I'm still getting to take your autograph. It's not like I'm ever going to sit. not never Like I'm going to sell them anyway. I don't do that. No. I don't, I don't get guys autographs and sell them on eBay. So I don't got to work for two weeks. Uh-huh. But, um, so, so I, they said there's a limit for um, three autographs. And I had six. And I was like, no, I'm getting six freaking autographs. Like, like it's happening. So I had, I had my family with me. And, um, the one person that I had with me went up with me to take her so they had three things, I had three things, and I walked, and Taker was sitting there, he had his two gun, and, you know, his hair was bundled up in the back, and I was sitting there, and I saw the tattoos right here, so I knew it was Taker, you know, I was like, oh my god, it's Taker, whoa, okay, so I walked up to him, I told him, I said, it's an absolute honor, I think you're the greatest of all time, you're my, you know, you're one of my two heroes, and you know, um, I told him about how I used to always go to the theater because all I cared about was his matching, care about nothing else really going on uh, on the card. And he said he was happy that he could you know be that for me um and probably for like millions of other people too. But, um, I had that title signed which he also held in the in the in the picture that I did not look in the camera for because I'm really bad at looking into a camera. Um, I had the unmatched fury sign that he had. Uh, the defining moments one from Survivor Series '96.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: His, his uh, first ever Hasbro I had signed.
2: Oh, nice.
1: And then yeah, and then I had the uh, urn.
0: Signed, That's nice. The
1: thank you Taker one from when uh, he wrestled Roman at 17. Yeah, they're all they're all back here.
0: That's and amazing. In that little in that, in
1: that glass box, but I mean, it was an honor, and we took the second picture where I. I was so scared but I remember going Hey Taker can we do a face to face picture
0: And he was He was really tall like I'm not that big so I know he's huge in, And he's like looking
1: down and he kind of Like gives me like the Taker look And I'm like oh this is odd So he crouches Down he had to crouch in the picture because he was so tall
2: mm-hmm.
1: So he had to kind of Like go like this and look At me and I remember like I had to look up at him Like that and go okay I actually got to look at him because like I'm not looking this way in the picture so I had to look right at him and I remember I I was holding the title I'm like just think about you're only gonna be able to do this once and I looked at him and they snapped the picture and then he went like that to me and I was like so went like that and I shook his hand and I and it was an absolute honor and uh I never forgot that day because I was going through a lot of stuff at that time too Mm -hmm. you know mentally and, and and whatever and That day kind of numbed it, and especially I didn't think he was going to make it because it was two days after that Goldberg match.
0: Oh my god, really?
1: It was two days after, because he originally, months before, had that scheduled, that Niagara Falls Comic Con uh, appearance scheduled, but then they announced Goldberg and Taker for Super Showdown, which is going to be two days before he was supposed to be in Niagara. So he's all the way on the other side of the world, and then he's got to travel all the way back within two days to come to Niagara to do the signing. On top of that, he got dropped on his neck by Goldberg on the, off that jackhammer, which I thought he broke his neck. And I remember when I was sitting watching that match and I saw the jackhammer, I went, that's it. I'm not meeting him. He just broke his neck. Oh, my God. And, and then when he got back up and I went, I really hope he's not that injured because I really want to meet him and I really want to meet him. And then he didn't cancel. I thought he was going to end up canceling and he didn't. And then he still showed up and that's that's the professional he is i was just gonna
0: say it's just a testament
1: even for and he even said like on after that match with goldberg that his back was jacked up Mm -hmm. and he still he still showed up halfway across the world came to canada and didn't let anybody down and was still there and i was really praying to myself that no one was going to mention that goldberg match to him
0: oh my god because you
1: know there's going to be some fan who's going to be like oh yeah man that goldberg match yeah it sucked you know it's like you're gonna get fans like that and I wouldn't. You know, yeah. because I'm not like that. you know, he's had how many bad matches compared to good? Yeah. Very we can do few. the math, very even I'm not very at it, but I'm not very good at math, but hey, I can do the math for Taker. So
2: Yeah. You
1: know, it's pretty common knowledge. So I remember I was so nervous I didn't think he was gonna make it, and then he ended up going and I was so happy. And I remember like I went up to my mom after that and I'm like, Did I just meet Undertaker? It doesn't feel real it doesn't and I, I, it didn't feel real like I walked out of the I walked out of the booth where we were doing the photo op and I looked at down at my stuff that I got signed and I went oh that just happened yeah okay well that's off the bucket list I said to myself before I said that's the one guy I'm never gonna meet I'm mm-hmm. gonna meet everyone else but I ain't gonna meet Taker. it's gonna be the one guy and out of all of them that's the one guy I met so yeah. I've, I've met the, the three people that I wanted to meet and I still have Three more on my list that I gotta meet, but I got three of them down. Who, so who's, I'm who's the other? There.
0: Who's the other three?
1: Um, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, oh. and Ric Flair.
0: Oh, it's a good three. Those are my other three. Yeah. So, because I've
1: met Taker, I've met Kurt, I've met Van Dam, okay. I've met Mysterio. So it's like I have those guys down, but I'd like to get Kane too. Kane's another one that yeah. I would really like to meet. Um, but I would say Michaels, Bret. And flair would be the three just because of their contributions to the business and their legacies it'd be nice to have a picture and an honor auto- and an autograph a personalized one because i like them personalized and, and put it up on my wall but the most meaningful one autograph i have besides the Tiger one and you can probably see it a little bit in the background is the mean gene Oker one. Oh yeah because i met him in niagara in 2017 um when i was going through a really rough patch and uh my dad took me up there to niagara so we, we went up there that's where i met uh sting Sting yeah. was up there too, so I met Sting. But I met Gene, and now he passed away unfortunately about mm-hmm. a year and a half after I met him. But I'm really honored that I had the chance to do that. So that's a very that's a very sentimental autograph because he he personalized it to me. I get if I try to get as much of them personalized as I can because it means something to me. Yeah, you know the, the, these experiences mean something to me. I'm not one of those people that's going to get a whole bunch of autographs and then just sell them. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not who I am. So. Even like when I met Rob Van Dam, which I talk about, and and what I'm working on various projects, I have the Rob Van Dam story in there, and he signed me almost ten things, personalized, and never forgot it, man. Great experience.
0: That's great. I was I was uh, good thing that you brought up about being Undertaker, because I know that's one thing I wanted to ask you because of your profile photo. Uh, um,
1: yeah, I mean, yeah, that one garnered some attention.
0: Yeah, and uh, I totally know what you went through, because. Uh, when you know you're going up to see him, you know, you don't know what you're gonna say Yeah, and then it's it's done you you know You're just going through the motions, and then afterwards you feel like did it actually happen and it's just, It was an adrenaline rush. It is, it is an, an adrenaline rush, especially when you see him Like waiting to take the photo and you're like is like it's coming closer and closer to your time to get up there Okay. A ho- yeah. It, hope-
1: it was like a. It, it was like a high of happiness.
0: Yeah. Don't get tongue. To. Don't get tongue tied. Don't say anything stupid.
1: <laughs> exactly. It's almost like don't don't state the obvious. And the one thing I try to do is not ask questions that have already been asked a million times. Mm-hmm. It's like if I ever meet Brett, I'm not going to mention the screw job because he's already answered it a million times. Oh, you know, yeah. with Ric Flair, I'm not going to mention the Four Horsemen because he's already been asked it a million times. Sean with the screw job in DX, he's been asked that a million times. Like, I want to ask something new, you know, that they probably have very rarely ever been asked. And the first thing I always do, and I think a lot of the people forget to do it, but I just do it because I was taught to do it and raised to do it. Uh, you, you shake their hand right when you beat them. Exactly. That, that's what I do. Because to me, it shows, um, it, it, it shows how you're going to treat them at mm-hmm. the beginning, because they've done something that a lot of people can't do in this world Mm -hmm. and you have to give them respect for that. You know, you, you know, a lot of these guys they, they get divorced, you know, they end up injured. They, a lot of them, like I said before, don't have an old age and you know, they put their bodies on the line for everyone. And And I know it sounds cliche, but you know, when you're doing that for 20, 30 years, you deserve respect. And every time I meet someone, the first thing I do is I offer my hand because I want them, To hopefully know that, hey, this isn't some, you know, young, dumb Mark who thinks he knows everything, you know, and is gonna try to talk down to me, which a lot of people unfortunately do. Yeah, they deserve the respect. And if you give it to them, then they're gonna give it right back to you. Because without you, they don't have a job, but also without them, you don't have a childhood. Yeah. So you just have to you have to give them respect and then they're gonna give it to you. And Mm -hmm. I've never had a bad experience. With all the people I've met, I've never had a bad experience.
0: That's great. And they always say, you know, never meet your heroes. But as I've said on here, whoever said that never met The Undertaker. Because, I met
1: my two, and I was more than satisfied.
0: Yeah. And I couldn't be more satisfied with meeting him. Um, I shook his hand. I, always, I told him, you know, it's an honor to meet him because I've been a fan for so long. And I remember um, I told him that in the in the photo session. I also told him that in the autograph session. And he leaned, I remember he always he leaned back and he says, "I'm not that old, am I?"
1: <laughs> and it's like
0: he was cracking a joke about himself. Yeah. And yeah, I well, he was. Makes fun of his age. And yeah. I I remember I was just like so enamored. I didn't laugh. And he yeah, goes. You're just like starstruck. And then he goes, "Was the joke that bad?" Oh, he's a human being. And I know. Oh, and boy. it's like, and I was like, oh, no, no, no. It's just like, you you look you look great. And he goes, well, thank you for that.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, especially for all the stuff his body's been through, he looks pretty good.
0: Yeah. And it's just like, you know, you're in such a rush meeting this, meeting him. And it's like, oh. You that
1: know, was like just... when I met Kurt Angle, man. Uh, I can't even. Him and Taker, those two. I don't know, Rob too, but like Taker and Kurt were those two where I, I was so young when I met Kurt, but still knew what was going on because I would watch Kurt even before he went to TNA. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, when I met Taker, it was like, this is the guy that my dad used to take me all the time to the theater just to go watch Taker. Yeah. And... It all, it, it felt like it was like all worth it. Like just being a fan of his just paid off so much. It is. You know, because I, because I had that experience for one, you know, it wasn't even one day, it was three days because I went up there and then I had so much fun, you know, on the way up and then meeting him and then going back home. Like And then, and then like, I got to anticipate meeting him on the first day. And then I met him on the second day. And then on the third time I'm going back home and I'm looking at, at all the stuff I had signed with the pictures that I, I took with him. So. It was just like a, it was like a triple whammy of just happiness, you know, and three days of being numb, but in a good way.
0: Yeah. It's like, it, it's, it's all worth it in the end. Because you don't know if,
1: you,
0: like you said, it happened two or three days after the Goldberg match. What if something yeah. else, you know, at any point, anything can happen, but you can say you met him.
1: I'm I'm just happy that, that I can say that. Yeah. I'm happy, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have his, his, uh his autographs in my room I'm happy to have taken a picture of them I'm happy to have uh, told him he was the greatest of all time because I have never told anyone else that that they're the greatest of all time besides him and I won't Mm -hmm. so that's one thing I'm keeping my word on and um, it it, it was very sentimental to me I was actually thinking one day of getting a tattoo of it
0: that's of his autograph
1: no of the date that I met him
0: oh that's 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 nice
1: of him and Kurt Angle rock band and I was thinking and like it's not gonna be like eccentric it's just gonna be the dates and the numbers because those days um you know you know like as I talk about in the other projects I'm working on uh those days really uh meant something to me yeah they do really
0: really meant something
1: to me you know especially for all the stuff I've gone through Mm -hmm. you know it's definitely something that I'll never forget and uh you know I thank those three guys especially for um you know doing what they can to make my day better.
0: So. Yeah. And uh, much respect
1: to all three.
0: Exactly. And sometimes the, um telling them that, you know, it really it really shows them how much of a fan you really are and how much, you know, their work truly affects people's lives.
1: Oh yeah, it's definitely. And I think out of the three, I've had the most interactions with Kurt. Mm-hmm. Out of out, out of the three, Um, which I'm super humbled and grateful for because I remember I got to talk to Kurt for for a little bit and um, he knew that I wanted to be a wrestler because um, I had told him.
0: When did you meet Kurt Angle?
1: Um, I met him in 2010.
0: Okay. So he's like in TNA.
1: Yes, he was in TNA in the prime of his career. Um, But then after that, I just, you know, I was already a fan of him but he became my hero after, after that day. You know, him and Tager. And on Twitter I asked him questions Ooh! because sometimes on Twitter I do that I will you know and and I don't want to be like a spam account you know or nothing but if I feel like I I, I have a legitimate chance to get a response mm-hmm. I'll ask I'll ask a question out of respect. I never go and you know bury guys ever mm-hmm. because it's not I don't not something I want to do so um, I'll ask I've asked Kurt like I've sent out like an open tweet before and I would say, you know, Kurt, I want to be a wrestler. And uh, you know, do you have any advice for me if you want to give me any? Because he doesn't have to give me advice, you know, yeah. but um and he he's given me some advice, which I'm really happy about. Like he told me to be me. And you know, when you're cutting a promo, well, make sure it's you. Don't, you know, let filler get in the way of what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And he told me, good luck with your career. And That's for him great. to say that to me. And then he also I'll tell you what else he told me off air too, because uh, it's a little bit, it's a little bit personal to me in and in a good way, okay. you know, um, and it's, it's something that means the world to me. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you it off air, because okay. I don't think anybody's got to know until maybe later on, No, so but, probably. um, but it's something really just something that blew my mind. And, um, Rob Van Dam's the other one, cause he signed all that stuff for me. And in the book I'm writing, I get into that story. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and it's a really interesting one. But he signed all this stuff for me um, when I met him, and I had one-on-one time with him where we just got to hang out and talk. Oh, that's and, nice. Um, yeah, it was so cool, man. And it's a very convoluted story, but I'll I'll get to it all in the book, and I'll tell you off air. Um, but
0: which you will have plenty of time at the end of the podcast to plug your book, your Twitter, and everything else to yeah. people.
1: <laughs> well, well, what happened was, is I met him, and he signed like eight things for me. From what I oh ever. my gosh. It, Personalized and everything, and he was in the middle of an impact taping.
0: Um, when they when killed, was this?
1: This was in my hometown. Okay. July 19 thousand
0: nineteen. Oh my and oh, wow! He,
1: and he was he was wrestling Willie Mack okay. from uh, from Impact, who's also a, a really underrated worker. And um, he he it was in the middle of a taping, and I was supposed to meet Rob, and I didn't get the chance to right away. Because I had all this stuff that I wanted to get signed, but I wanted to personalize. And I was trying to not be like a pain in the neck to anybody. So, like, I didn't want to be a detriment at a, at a taping. Like, if it's a live event, it's different. But at a taping, like, it's, it's, it's pretty hectic. So, um, they one of the people who were the organizers of the show grabbed me from my seat. I was in the second row. And he grabbed me and he's like, come here. I'm like, Okay. I guess I'm meeting Rob so I ran out I had my backpack of all my stuff just like a, a kid in high school so I had all my stuff in it I'm running around and I'm looking around for Rob Van Dam and then I opened the door and he's standing right there
0: oh my god
1: just outside and I'm like Rob Van Dam the man that I wanted to meet in Battle Creek all these years ago and he's here and I looked and I went it's Rob Van Dam all right shook his hand he was really nice by the way and um so we were talking, and I told him about the story of Battle Creek. <laughs> I told him, I told him the entire thing in detail, and you know he didn't have a lot of time, but he spent like 10, 20 minutes with me. It felt oh that gosh. that long anyway. And I had all that stuff, and he could have just went, "Listen, man, I'll sign one or two things for you," but then and then I gotta get going. Mm-hmm. But he, but he stayed the entire time and signed everything. And I even like, I'm such a mark, and I, <laughs> I'm sorry that if, if this rubs people the wrong way, but I'm such a mark that I had sticky notes of my name on like the figures and stuff like that that I had so he would put my name on them
0: well it's not a name people get every day so you want to make sure it's spelled correctly
1: so I put so he put my name on everything and then he put I asked him because I had I had the 1 in 500 figure when he had the WWE and ECW title at the same time from 2006 and I asked him I said can you write only ECW and WWE champ ever on it and he put only ECW and WWE champ on it for, for me and he didn't have to do that you know and he and he, and he took his time like it took him a while to sign all that stuff because he really like he didn't just like scribble on it like he really took his time and for that I'm always grateful and and I don't know if you can see it back here but there's an ECW plaque
0: I can see a plaque yeah
1: and there's a Mark Henry one up here and then there's an ECW one down here and the ECW one has cactus Jack onto the uh, far right uh-huh Tommy Dream is in the middle in red because he was the first one that signed it. And then in green is Rob Van Dam, and he put the date of One Night Stand 2006 Wow. On ECW flag. Is that because I asked? Because that day with the match with John Cena, you know, was yeah crazy. So um, I crazy. that was a very good memory in my mind. So I asked him, and he said that was his uh, favorite and most important match in WWE. That's- so I was I was really happy with that, and uh, he was so he was so he he had he had a charm, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. like you meet certain wrestlers, and like. They, they just have that certain aura about them, but they're like real people. Yeah. You know? And it's like, but you're so enamored with meeting them, like how we were with Taker. Oh. And that's how it was with Rob. And he was, man, he, he, he took his time. He didn't have to sign anything for me. You know? That's and, amazing. I, and then I asked him, I said, Rob, since we're here, do you want to do a video? And he's like, yeah, let's do it. What? I just asked on impulse because um, I have this brand for when I wrestle, I want to be a heel. And I want to call myself sports entertainment spectator because sports entertainment is such a heel term in wrestling because people like to call it professional wrestling. So I'm going to say sports entertainment just to make people mad.
2: Ooh.
1: And, and I I got Rob to do the video and we stood there and he's like, Hey, dude this is sports entertainment spectator you know with keegan and rvd and then he gave me an elbow to the head like not a real elbow but like it was like a fake like, yeah yeah elbow and i didn't sell it and i'm so mad because i was laughing because i was because like i was in such awe of it and then i look back at it and i'm like i really should have just like fell to the ground and sold that so you screwed up you screwed up I'm your
0: own video to man
1: again, and i'm gonna fall and i'm gonna sell it like how rick flair did like the face first bum and i'm gonna do it
0: you screwed up your own video man
1: i didn't sell it because i was like i was happy i didn't like i i I didn't know didn't think it was happening yeah i I was in like some kind of crazy dream like i I thought i was like in the middle of a sleep and i was and i was gonna get up (laughs) so he went like like that and i just started laughing and i'm like he really should have knocked my teeth out but i mean maybe i would look a little more you know badass if i didn't have my front teeth but I don't know. It was it was definitely a fun day though because I was, again, another time I was having a flare-up with my bipolar disorder and I was not having a good time around that time, but that day numbed everything, so.
0: That's that's great.
1: It, it, it was a one-of-a-kind day, that's for sure.
0: Seriously, you know, no pun um, intended again.
1: Yeah, pretty much. I'm pretty good <laughs> with my puns. So. I know, I can tell,
0: I can tell. <laughs> I can tell.
1: Well, in the chapters of the book, um... There's a lot of, there's a lot of puns for the, for the interactions with wrestlers that I've had. So,
0: oh, like man. Rob Van
1: Dam's is called a damn five-star day.
0: It's a good and one. I'm,
1: and then the Kurt Angle one is, I'm eating worthy of a gold medal. So.
0: What's Undertaker's? Yeah, try, is, is Undertaker's I, I in the book? I to be
1: as unique as I can, man. I, I just, I, I, I want to be me.
0: That's so, great. You know,
1: and no, if that's, and if that's weird and eccentric, I'll take it.
0: Nobody else better to be than yourself.
1: Absolutely. Those are the greatest people in the world, man. The ones who are themselves.
0: Is Undertaker in the book? Does he have a pun chapter title?
1: Yes, um, he does. And it's The Gong Was Resounding.
0: That's a good one.
1: Because The Gong gong was in my head the entire time I was there. (laughs) And the one thing I've been working on, too, since we're talking about Taker again, um, The Door, I want to have this be like an Undertaker exhibit. Yeah. And I want to get, like, I don't, it's hard to see, but... I have lights on the top, so when it's dark in here, the lights go purple inside of there with all the Undertaker stuff. That's nice. So I'll show you, and I'll post it on—and and for those who are interested, I'll post it on Twitter, if mm-hmm. you if you remind me. Definitely. And I want to get, like, a sound machine, so when you open what? the door, like, the gong comes off.
0: Oh, my God.
1: I think that'd be like, like the—because, like, you can get, like, little machines, and my stepdad knows how to do it because he's a truck driver, so he knows how to do the radios and that. So, um, I want to see if I can get, like, so, some kind of little radio inside there, so every time you open the door, the gong goes off. I think that would be the coolest thing ever. That would be the I'm coolest part, thing ever. You know, and I'm, I'm willing to admit that, but, you yeah. know, this is my happy place, man. This is my, my temple, I guess you can call it.
0: Oh, you know, I know. You know, um, uh, the whole purpose of the podcast is to, you know, to, uh, get people a glimpse into my collecting, And to hopefully, you know, try to get, like, um, I'm on a mission to get, like, all the Undertaker figures ever made.
1: That's what I was going to do with him and Kurt Angle.
0: Yeah, because um, it's something that means something to me. You know, ever since I was a fan of his, I only collected Undertaker. I only collected other wrestlers if they came with Undertaker in a pack or if I needed people for Undertaker to beat in my figure fed.
1: (laughs) Well, I I know you're running the interview, but besides your two signed items from the Deadman, what is your favorite Undertaker piece of memorabilia that you have?
0: Um, That was going to be my question to you.
1: um, (laughs) I guess I read your
0: mind. You did. Um, I don't know because there's so much. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm going to go the sentimental route and say uh, Superstars Series 7. Undertaker oh, for Jax, nice. because that was the first Undertaker figure I ever got. Um, it's the one that kicked off the collection, and you know it's like the first first time they molded him to look like him in the bone crunching action style, and it's just that that figure holds like so much uh, nostalgia to me.
1: That's that's awesome, and I love the old Jack specific Taker figures. Yeah, I have the I have the deluxe aggression early series before they were like the pre-production one okay and it's it's definitely a good figure and um but I have so much see like I have so much Undertaker stuff too that it's like to name my favorite piece of Undertaker memorabilia that's not signed uh I don't know that's tough I would have to say because it's not signed I would say the picture I have with him okay but if we're going but if we're going the figure route I would have to say his first ever Elite is the American badass which Elite, I have Elite and, 18? I think that's the one. Yeah, his first ever one. I think it was Elite 18? Yeah. I want to say or 19. Yeah. It was one of the two. And I have that and I got it as a grad gift last year. Nice. So, I finally got it. I wish I would have got it in like 2012 when it was like 20 bucks, but yeah. Yeah. I mean I mean, but I got my mom because one person in France had that figure. Um, and I found it, and that's what I wanted for my grad gift. But he also had the Legend 6 Ultimate Warrior from oh. WrestleMania 6. I think it's from the Legend 6 series, but I know it's from WrestleMania 6. And he had both men on card in the package. And I looked at my mom and said, if you're getting me a grad gift, this is what I'm getting. And I I finally got that American Badass Taker. That's great. I finally did it. So that's probably my favorite figure out of the bunch, but they're, they're all my favorite. Like, I have so many Takers mm-hmm. that... It never grows old yet getting anything a taker. Like doesn't. even my mom too. She's like, "Do you ever get sick of collecting Undertaker stuff?" And I'm like, "No." And then in Christmas in 2018, she uh, she bought me an Undertaker sweater off WB Shop. Nice. Too. And yeah. well, here's another Undertaker one right here. Since it's here, it's the Undertaker as Kane.
0: Oh yeah, I it's love kind of that
1: one. Thought that was a pretty underrated figure, but it is because I love the packaging. Packaging's great.
0: Yeah. And also, that, not exactly what that one's based off, because that one's based off that tag match. Yes. But the, the picture on the side, the one with him taking off the mask on Raw to grab Vince. That's, yeah, that's, because that's,
1: yeah, I mean, you want a shot. Title, man. That's the. Vince, um, don't screw over Tager. You don't do that. You don't screw over
0: mm-hmm, that's That's the moment that. That's one of the second moments I remember, because I know my first moment was him with Austin, but then he was off tv for a while and then i was like yeah yeah, and i was like "Oh, when's he coming back when's he coming back because i want to show my parents i want to show my parents the undertaker and he's not here and then all of a sudden he shows up as kane and i was like perfect time perfect time to show them him coming back in such like a remarkable fashion is like i saw him the first time this time he takes off the mask and he grabs McMahon and the lights go out and you can still hear his voice afterwards. It's like perfect.
1: It's... I think the Taker and Kane program is my favorite program in wrestling history. It is. It's just it's it's it's, it's the greatest long term program I believe. Twenty five years. Just, yeah, just so well done.
0: It is twenty five years, and if they came back tomorrow, people would still be enamored by it.
1: Oh, if they teamed again, I would still mark out. Yeah. I don't care what year it is. I know people are like, oh, they're too old, they need to retire. But if they're going to sell out at a, an arena or a stadium and I can go, yeah. I'm going be there.
0: Me too. I love... So, I love. Know,
1: that's all that matters to me is, is sentimental value for Taker now.
0: Yeah. And yeah. that's all you need. That's all you need. It's like he can still sell out an arena because people will still buy tickets to see him. And the same people that are complaining that he's coming back to fire. have the same people lining up to get tickets to see him?
1: Well, to me, they're the same people that are at the arena cheering for him and giving him the loudest yeah. of the night when he comes out. So of course. So it's like, when's the crowd ever dead when Taker shows up? Never. Never. So, you know, I think people just say that because they look at his age and his injuries and go, okay, he can't go anymore until he actually does wrestle. And then mm-hmm. you're like, oh, okay, he can still go. Yeah. Well, like, well, like look, and, and and people have said, like, since since the streak broke that he, that he needed to retire. I don't think that was the case, because I don't think the match with Shane was as bad as people thought or made it out to be. I don't think it was. Um, the match with Roman was what it was but you got to also remember his hip was in a really bad spot. So, And I don't think Roman, and I, I have nothing but respect for Roman Reigns, but I don't think Roman was at the point in his career that he could carry a match like that at that point yet. Mm-hmm. But that's not his fault. Um, and then with Triple H the year later at Super Showdown, which wasn't awful either, even though a lot of people think it was, I don't think it was that bad, but no, I enjoyed
0: it. I I enjoyed the super showdown match. You know, I wish Undertaker would have won, but
1: uh, I, I mean, but what do you expect when you have two guys? one's 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 53 and one's, you know, south of 40 that they're going to have a five-star clinic. That's Mm -hmm. not the goal. You know, it's like, they're not going to have the matches that they had in 2012 because they're, you know, almost 10 years older at that point. Yeah. it's like, you know, I think a lot of people have to lower I don't want to say just lower their expectations But they're not going to go out and have a New Japan match They're, they're not going to go out and have an Omega and Okada match when they're 53 If you throw Okada and Omega out there at, at 53 They're not going to have the match that they had at Dominion three years ago It's just mm-hmm. a fact, you know So that's why I always had an issue with people saying that Taker needed to retire Because then when he came back and teamed with Roman at Extreme Rules My he favorite Fantastic
0: One of my favorite like, matches
1: yeah, and like he never lost a step. No. And then and then he did that bone that great boneyard match with AJ, which was better than anybody thought it was gonna be. So I don't I don't think it's a case that he that he, that he needed to retire. I think it was a case that he needed other opponents. Yeah. That's what I think it exactly. was. Exactly. Like if Taker, Taker like Taker and AJ could have a match tomorrow and I still think they would get by. I really do. Yeah. So you know, it, it's just a matter of who he faced.
0: Yeah. And I still think and they should have had him face Elias instead of Goldberg. <laughs> because it doesn't matter, because at least Elias is younger than Goldberg. He can the give match him a better wasn't match. Wasn't
1: going too bad until Goldberg speared the ring post. It it's was actually true. going okay until he speared the ring post. It I was, and that's
0: a lot of people forget cold. it was going okay.
1: Yeah, like well, he hit the two spears and then he and then he hit the the rolling knee bar, and I was like, this might not be too bad. Yeah, because like my my, my expectations weren't high for it, mm-hmm. but at the same time. The, the lead up was good like I thought Goldberg did like a really good promo on SmackDown and then Taker interrupted him and I was like this has got a big fight field that WWE's missing right now but <laughs> then they did that match and you know it wasn't great but it happens you mm-hmm. know and even Undertaker said that he's like man it's an accident you know things happen and we were disappointed about it and you know not every match is going to be great mm-hmm. everyone has a bad match every once in a while
0: it does and uh, if only it would have stayed down after that first Tombstone it probably would have looked back better
1: it would have been okay, yeah. But the thing is, it's I think Goldberg was trying to just get it done, but, like, have people remember it at the same time. And, unfortunately, they remember, they remember it for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. But at least, you know what, though, man? You can't really blame anybody. It's like when I see people, like, tarnishing Goldberg for that match and Tager, it's like, you go out there and do it. Yeah. You know? You go out there and do that and do a match, you know, and see how far you get. It's mm-hmm. like you gotta you, you gotta have a level of respect for guys. Even if they're fit in their fifties and they're still going out there and they're not what they were twenty years ago or ten years ago, doesn't matter. They're still going out there and they have a risk for injury. Mm-hmm. So you gotta you, you gotta give them respect. Yeah. And I did. It, even though the match wasn't good and they'll both admit it, still they they went out there and tried and tried to do what they could. Yeah. All that matters in the end, right?
0: Mhm. So and- I, f- I feel like it's lost on a lot of people. They expect so much. and it's Well, you're like,
1: not going to get a Taker match from 2007 and 2019.
0: Yeah, 2019. and it's like they compare them to other wrestlers and say how they could have done better. Well,
1: well, I'll give you an example, and I'm not going to mention who said it. I'll tell you off air. But this person said that Sonata in New Japan, who is a great worker, he's a great worker, but they said that Sonata is a better worker than The Undertaker. And I question that because... How are you gonna compare a guy that's 5'8 and one hundred ninety pounds to a guy that's six ten and three hundred?
0: See, that's always when,
1: when their styles are two totally different. That's like, that's like comparing Shawn Michaels to Brock Lesnar. You know, like, mm-hmm. you, like you can't because it's there's such different styles. Like Sadad is a strong style performer, you know, whereas Taker's a tec- a technical striker. It's like you can't compare. That that's like, I don't know. I'm trying to, that that's like comparing Vader to Rey Mysterio.
0: Yeah, it's always a pet peeve of mine in the wrestling community. It's the comparisons, you know, and it's
1: like, okay, okay, you're entitled to think what you think, but at the same time, you have to think logically and go, okay, Sonata and The Undertaker. Look at their styles, look at their opponents, look at their different facets of how they wrestle. One is a pure athletic-based performer, and the other one's a storyteller. Mm
2: -hmm. It's hard to
1: compare. You really can't. As someone who's been watching wrestling my entire life, I know that because I've seen both of them wrestle in their greatest matches. Mm-hmm. and it's two totally different things
0: it is and that's lost on a lot of people they just feel like they can uh, compare them and then well,
1: it? and, like it's okay to compare but at the same time too you have to be able to if you want to debate people on it you have to back up and claim.
0: exactly and you know
1: and that's why too like I'm wrong sometimes too like there's sometimes on Twitter like I'll post a match that I liked or something and some people might not like it and, and it, is, it is what it is it
0: is what it is everybody you know? has their own opinion
1: yeah, like, it, like an opinion's an opinion, and It doesn't really matter in the end. It doesn't. So, so you know, that's... And, 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 and that's the thing. It's like, I think The Undertaker's the greatest of all time. And someone might come up to me and go, no, Rick, no, I, I disagree with you. Ric Flair's the greatest of all time. Fair enough. That's a logical argument. You have your opinion. Mm-hmm. And it's logical, because Ric Flair's one of the all-time greats. So, yeah. I get that. But at the same time, it's like... I, I, I'm okay with, with having to... to agree to disagree because we're not all going to have the same. We're not going to have the same opinions. And that's the beauty of us is we're not all going to agree on the same thing. Exactly. Because if we all did, it'd be a pretty boring world. I think if we all agreed, if, if, if you and I agreed with everyone in the world, Undertaker would be main eventing every WrestleMania until the end of time.
0: Which wouldn't be a bad so, thing.
1: So, I mean, but yeah, he's definitely, Taker is for sure not just the greatest big man, but I think he's one of the greatest storytellers. He's for sure the greatest persona in this mm-hmm. business. And um, you could throw him in any era, and he's going to be on top in his prime. So, Taker, it's a wrap. <laughs>
0: <sighs> and um, you mentioned earlier about uh, you liking that Jeff Hardy-Undertaker match. Do you have that yes. battle pack that they released? Glidey.
1: Do I have one?
0: That battle pack. The basic pack. Um. You mean this one? Yes.
1: Yeah, I have it. It's the only championship showdown one I have so far. Yeah. So, yeah, this was the first one I I bought, and I saved up for it, because I usually only buy elites in, like, first time in in the line figures, Mm -hmm. but this one I had to have because, one, the packaging's great. It is. Second, it's one of my favorite matches Ever. And third, I love the American Badass Undertaker, even though a lot of people don't. And I love, the, I, I love that gimmick. And Me too. I thought the storytelling in that match was impeccable. And I loved at the end how they had the Undertaker um, have respect for Jeff Hardy at the end, because Jeff Hardy wouldn't stay down. and just thought it was perfect.
0: It was perfect. And um, I, I don't know. It's just something about that match. It's something that sticks with you, because I, I can vividly remember that, you know, him... Undertaker going up the ramp, and then Jeff Hardy yelling at him from the microphone, and Undertaker has to come all the way back down.
1: Yeah, and he's going. I'm still standing. Yeah. Yeah, and Jr. was great that match too, with his call like, "Come on, kid, make yourself famous." Mm-hmm. And then he was worried Undertaker was just gonna brutalize him after the match. Taker grabbed him like he was about to, you know, end him, and then just raised his hand in victory. Yeah. And yeah, it was perfect, man. Perfect yeah, it match. Made, it Should it on pay per view. Yeah. Hey. It, made... it was a match on free TV, so I ain't complaining.
0: And it made Jeff a single star.
1: Yeah, for sure. And that match made him. It yeah. really did.
0: Yeah, it really broke the mold that what he went, that people were used to seeing of him.
1: Yeah, it was just such a well structured match. I don't know who their agent was for that match. I'm assuming maybe Pat Patterson May might be the agent, but it was it was so well thought out.
0: It was. And when um, when I, I mentioned about that is because it just seems like. During Undertaker's title reigns, it's always about making like new stars, and yes, putting yeah. over younger people. Like um, his first, his first title, reign, you know, I not what the first one with Hogan, but the, in '97 he has matches with Farouk and Vader, yep. and he has it with um, Steve Austin, who was just getting the gimmick with the Stone Cold getting off the feet, and then with Bret Hart, and then he goes on to like. With Jeff Hardy and uh, Randy Orton and CM Punk later on and Batista and Edge. It just seems like that's... Every that's, time,
1: man. And I think it would have happened again if Jeff Hardy would have stayed in 2010. I yeah. think that's who he would have dropped the title to. I really do.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's just, that's just like the, the blueprint for Undertaker's title reigns. It's all about, you know giving him people that wouldn't have title, uh, opportunities in the past. You give Undertaker the title and he gives the opportunities to the other people that's coming up.
1: It's a great analogy and a lot of people don't think about that, but really they don't. now that you pointed the note, he has made so many guys mm-hmm. at a main event as permanent main eventers.
0: Yeah. And even it's, Edge. Even Edge. Extent. Yeah. And, and um, just and you know he's giving when he's another when he's the world heavyweight champion again he's giving it to uh chris jericho and big show you know people that would have that were already looked over in the past you know they have an opportunity now
1: yeah he's just and and, and the thing is is a lot of people worried that that taker won too much throughout his entire career but like i said before even with the randy orton stuff it's like it doesn't matter who wins in the end is when you face Taker, you, you usually get over Unless mm-hmm. if you're DDP in the stalker angle But that, that angle was doomed to start with <laughs> So, but other than that You know, everyone gets put over with Taker
0: Yeah And um, there's matches I think he should have won that he lost Like some of the um, uh, the Lesnar matches he should have won I still think I think
1: he should I think he should have beat him for sure at WrestleMania 30.
0: Yeah, definitely that like one. Like you said
1: before, yeah. But one match I really did like that people don't talk about is Taker and Ric Flair at WrestleMania 18. Yes. A lot of people don't talk about that one. And I don't know why because I thought it was one of his better WrestleMania matches.
0: Yeah, and it's one of it. one of Flair's favorite and one of Taker's favorite.
1: It's just such a- and Rick was a like 53, man, in that match. Yeah. He still pulled off one great match.
0: Yeah, and under, and they said that, under, that Flair was in a, a bad position.
1: You know he was mentally, uh, his confidence was really low, and I think that match helped him out a little bit. Yeah, Rick, and Rick even said in his Hall face speech that he thought it was a good match, and he was. I actually think that was the best match on the card.
2: I think, and so a lot too. of people
1: will say a lot of people will say Rock and Hogan because of the crowd. But if you look from a pure in ring perspective, I really think, in a pure storytelling perspective, I think Tiger and Rick was best match on the card.
0: Me too. But get, yeah, what gets lost on Rock and Hogan is the crowd
1: yes i agree and and trust me that that match is so watchable because of the crowd mm-hmm. but i like taker and flair because they told it was like a match from the 70s like it was like one of those like throwback old school stories where you know the older guy is getting picked on but he still can stand up for him so
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know and that's what i liked it was personal and they used the blood perfect like rick was great at blading <laughs> you know and um which he did in that match too, and Jerry Lawler and Jim Ross were on point for that match too. Mm-hmm. Like their their calls were perfect. Uh, Taker did such a good job too of just being the heel, and Taker we usually don't talk about Taker being a heel all that often, but he was his O two late O late O one mid mid-02 heel run was really underrated. Yeah, so I, underrated man. He had some really good matches, and that Flair one was a prime example. Mm-hmm.
0: You mentioned you love the badass era. I love the badass era. I think it's very I really, underrated
1: yeah he had he had some great matches like he had the feud with brock in o2 which they yeah. had that cell match at no mercy and then him and kurt had that they had a really good match on smackdown in '03, 3 where brock interfered and took them both out but match was like a four and a half star pay-per-view match on smackdown mm-hmm. and then eventually it was very poetic that kane buried him and that's what brought that, that man at wrestlemania 20 oh. so that was it was just a great story i hated Throwing having i month. hated
0: having mcmahon win that match like that so they ridiculous. They, they could
1: have just had Taker and Kane buried alive and had Kane beat him clean. That's what I would have done personally. Yeah. But
0: oh well, you know. I done that. But you can't change hey, the past no matter hey, how much hey, you, you want some, to. You yeah, can't change the past no matter how much you want to.
1: Uh if you if you've ever seen a guy by the name of Adam Blancier in his bookings, he's pretty good at changing the past. He's uh, he's uh, used to be on What Culture. On their, uh, on, on their show uh, For wrestling And he uh, books uh, Events from the past For WWE Like how WWE should have booked The Invasion How they should have booked uh, Goldberg in general You know And, and stuff like that Like mm-hmm. he's got some Really good ones Yeah I always
0: think me... um, I always think about that Sometimes Like what would I have Done different Like oh, That's yeah, what I think about yeah. yeah I
1: think about that stuff All the time Like the Invasion And stuff like, Okay how would I have Done that Taker and Sting At Mania 18 Probably But
0: mm. I don't know. I would
1: have had Taker return to the Deadman gimmick a little bit earlier just for that Sting feud and that he could go back to being American Badass, but because I really wanted that Taker and Sting match.
0: Yeah, I know a lot of people did.
1: It's a shame it never happened, but I I guess it's better that it didn't happen now than it would happen, you know, in this day. So I just have to, I think we got to leave it in our, in our minds.
0: Yeah, I think they missed a moke in uh, 2015.
1: I said that that match should have been the main event of WrestleMania 31. I would have had it have been Sting's only match in the WWE. Yeah. Sting and Taker. Taker has... In in my world, Taker would have the streak. Sting would come in the night after WrestleMania 30 and challenge Uh him for next year's WrestleMania, have a one-year build, and then Taker, Sting, WrestleMania 31. Taker wins. It's Sting's last match. That's what I would have done.
0: Yeah, they can also... Yeah, like they did with the uh, Rock and Cena, have that year-long build... Maybe have Undertaker and Sting tag at Survivor Series of fourteen. Oh,
1: that'd be so cool! Yeah, Yeah. that'd be so cool. Like Taker and Sting against who? Like the Wyatt's or the Authority or something?
0: Yeah. Have like exactly have Sting came in against Triple H, so have it against the Authority. Yes,
1: like yeah, yeah, Taker and Sting against uh, the Authority, like who? Like Rollins and Triple H. Yeah. And then. And have Undertaker and Sting win. Yeah. yeah,
0: And have Undertaker and Sting win, and then have them just like. Creating Havoc for Triple H and then Triple H then finally has enough of it And then he says he books them at WrestleMania and one of them has to leave
1: hey, Well, I got a question for you too speaking of Undertaker. Have you ever watched any of Terry Funk's work?
0: Uh, I haven't
1: Okay, well Terry Funk was really good He, he was really good back in the back in the uh, 80s. He was a really good brawler He was a really good old-school storyteller and one match that I wish Undertaker would have had was against Terry Funk hmm. so if you ever get a chance watch Terry Funk versus Ric Flair from Clash of the Champions okay I think it's 1989 okay it's a five star match it's a five star match and you will see how cause Terry Funk's essentially a cowboy like a southern cowboy and but he's like a rebel and I think he would have been so good against Taker it would have been A great story because Taker would have beat him until he couldn't like move but he wouldn't quit until he was about to die and then eventually Taker would pick him up and Tombstone but you know the old gunfighter would not quit it would it would have been a great story so if you ever see a a Terry Funk match watch the one with Flair from Clash of the Champions because it's it's a classic it's a it's an I quit match too if you're wondering
0: oh okay I definitely would have to check that out
1: yeah it's on the WB network okay yeah, it's definitely worth checking out if you ever want to, because like, I watch a lot of stuff from the territories and that, okay. and the older stuff, because it's really, it's actually very under, it's very very underappreciated work, and I think you would like Terry Funk, if you like Undertaker, you'll like Terry Funk.
0: Okay, great, so, that is a, that is a few that I didn't really think about happening, Undertaker and Terry Funk.
1: I think it could have happened in 1999 after Tanker beat him up in the cell after he threw McFoley off.
0: Oh if my I came God! Up and Undertaker
1: said he beat him up. I would have set that up for WrestleMania 15. Really? Yeah. Instead of the big boss man, I would have done fucking Taker.
0: I would have done Shane McMahon and Taker. At
1: 19. At at of the mini- At or, or 15. Not 19, sorry, at 15. Uh, 15. Yeah, because of the ministry feud. Yeah, because instead of 32.
0: Yeah, because Shane's the one Undertaker hands the papers to. He's the one that Firepower. power. Yeah. So I figured. Oh,
1: um, and the storyline was such a bust in the end.
0: I know it was, but. What can you do? <laughs>
1: it should have been Jake Roberts. I think Jake Roberts should have been a higher power.
0: Ooh, really yeah. Am. If he was sober enough at that time.
1: Yeah. Like, he still, I think he still could have been, but he probably wouldn't have wrestled. Like, because he hates Austin and he hates Taker for, for running him out of WWE at WrestleMania. Was it 8? 8? Yeah, yeah, it was
0: eight?
1: Because he hates Austin because Austin made his catchphrase off of him. That, that was out of one idea, so I got to credit him for that. The guy who does the fantasy bookings, but I just thought it was great to bring up.
0: Yeah. But I, I, I always thought that Shane would been better as an Undertaker opponent in 15 <laughs> instead of Bossman. Because cause why would why would Vince give Undertaker Bossman? You know, give him his son. Show what his son can do to him. Yeah. Because, if, if, you know, if it, you want to... It would
1: have been, would, been good in 1999 you've seen
0: that. Yeah, because it's almost like Undertaker's coming for Vince. Well, if you want to get through me, you have to get through my son, so... It's good
1: storytelling.
0: Yeah. It is, and it's like, you know... Missed opportunities, but what can you do?
1: Absolutely, man. Sometimes uh, things in the past we can't change. Exactly. But at least we got it better late than ever. 32.
0: That's, 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 <laughs> and it's a good match. Yeah, you know, underappreciated. It, it is underappreciated. I, I think they do a lot of good storytelling, a lot of good spots. Uh, it may have went a little too long than what people wanted, but I liked it.
1: Yeah, I didn't mind did it at all.
0: Yeah, I enjoyed it. And... Um, you mentioned you have his Hasbro signed, correct? Yes. Yeah, oh. I can go get it. I can bring that. it over. I'll show it. I'll
1: show it to the camera. Yeah, I have it uh, right here. his first ever Hasbro. And it's in French, too.
0: Oh, nice. That's, you know, that's, I love it.
1: Yeah, in a display box. I've got enough ringside collectibles because this thing is old. Yeah. This thing's like 10 years older than I am. <laughs> So, I had to, to keep it precious, because it's Taker's first figure.
0: Yeah. So I men- gotta, yeah. I mentioned that because that's one of the items I, I always am looking for in my collection. The Hasbro, uh, his first figure, and also the red card figure, because, you know, those are his first two action figures. I feel like my collection definitely needs that and i brought that up because is there something that you feel you want in your collection for the undertaker
1: um man i would say and i know it's i know it's a long shot but i would like to have a piece of ring worn gear whether it's a glove or you know or his leather pants or something to put in a shadow box or something that's Uh, nice that's the piece that's missing so if taker like ever had like a glove that he didn't use anymore Signed it and you know, handed it over here. That's that's what I would want. So, but if we're talking about in terms of figures, uh, I you know what, I'm gonna say one that they haven't made yet, and okay. that's WrestleMania 14, yes, you know, yeah. in version. That's the one I want. But if I had the same one for Jack specific, I would say the Brothers of Destruction 2 pack, yes, I don't have that, so, so that's the one I would need, yes. The, the deluxe one yeah that's that's the one i would need so for mattel if you're listening please make a wrestlemania 14 taker i want it so bad
0: we do we need that that's one of his eras they never really touched in figures and i feel like
1: like a 2004 with the bandana and the jacket oh when he came out after wrestlemania 20 that's another one i would like
0: yeah and i they and i would love like 2007 like the kick pads yeah. and everything.
1: In WrestleMania 23. Yeah. yeah. There's so many that'd be, more. Yeah, that'd be great too. There's
0: so many more they could touch, but definitely WrestleMania 14 with the coat and um, oh yeah, the the classic two pack. Oh my god.
1: Yeah, I want that pack so bad, and I saw the prices for it, and I went, "Yeah, I better make it in order to buy that pack."
0: Oh I know. It's the price. So, the prices have the prices have shot up extremely on those things
1: you know what i do have though and i do have this of the undertaker and before i forget to show you before
0: can't wait oh i love it the heaven undertaker
1: and sean wrestlemania 25 heaven and hell yes exclusively yeah i i love that pack because it's you know, it's probably the best match I've ever seen. So I had to have that, but I need the defining moment, Sean, from that mania. From 25, I don't have it. So oh, okay. I'm going to have to get that, too. Yeah. Wow. I'm a big figure collector. I, I keep them all in the package. I,
0: me, too. Me, too. I'm a, yeah, I'm I don't a... open
1: them. I started that about in 2016. I started, like, I, I had collected figures before, but I always opened them, and then I thought about the value and went, huh, I'm just going to keep in the package. And the first figure I started with was the Undertaker. Ooh, which one? one? Um, it was the then, now, and forever basic one.
0: Oh, okay, nice. The like, it's like now, WrestleMania yeah, thirteen. Gray,
1: it was those yeah. gray gloves from like ninety three. Yeah, yeah, that it's, was the first one, and I also had Sting too from Elite thirty
0: nine. Nice, it's like a, yeah, it's, it's like um, it's like a um. A hybrid. It's, like, supposed to be, like, 93 Taker, but it can also double, like, Wrestlemania 13 Taker when he came out. Yeah, like, yeah,
1: yeah. Either that or, like, the 94 Rumble. Yeah. Like, when he, like, first, like, yeah, it's, like, a hybrid, yeah. Yeah. But I miss that gear. I I really like that gear.
0: I I love the gear. I don't love the opponents he fought during the time.
1: No, I I wish he would have feuded with Shawn or something. Yeah, Razor. Brett. I would have booked him and Brett for Wrestlemania 9 and ten two years in
0: a row, but... yeah. I would have, that's what I would
1: have done. But instead of Yokozuna, I would have done Taker and Brett.
0: Yeah. And I probably would have given Undertaker, Yokozuna a 10. I probably would have given him Brett at 9.
1: Taker and Brett at 9 would have been fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so the Giants always, but... Hey, that's
0: for another episode. <laughs> Please. I can't believe it. But yeah, just like me, I used to open up my figures when I was a kid. And then uh, all through jacks I opened it up. And then uh, when Mattel we came out with The Elites... I was like, yeah. okay, I'm keeping this one in the package. Yeah, that's,
1: yeah, that was me. I started to not open them. If I would have never opened every figure I had, I would have probably had three rooms <laughs> right now of figures, and you wouldn't even be able to walk because I had so many from Jacks and stuff like that. Because mm-hmm. when we would go to the states, like for my sister's stuff, like my mom would take me to KB Toys, which oh. they don't have in Canada.
0: I but love KB. I, I love we would KB, go to
1: Toys. KB Toys. Toys, Meijer, and Target. Those would be the three, and we would just unload on wrestling stuff. I actually, in the book, I talk about uh, getting that uh, TNA Sting figure over there.
0: Nice. I love KB yeah, Toys. I, have, I always... was that
1: monitor that I got the Sting one. It was uh, the TNA Sting where he had um, the face paint in the form of a mask that you could wear, and it came with the figure in the package.
2: Ooh.
1: And that was the one I got, and I played with that figure so much in my matches that I broke it into literal chunks. <laughs> I wish I would have kept it in the package.
0: Though looking back at it, but okay. ah well.
1: You win some, you lose some, like Ex- I said. Exactly,
0: but uh, I every week I, I every week I, I think.
1: Met him, so I guess I win. Yeah, well,
0: you do. Every week I think I talk about a story about KB Toys on the pod, just because you know it's just going in there and seeing like the pegs and racks full of wrestling figures. It's like
1: I, I bought a whole bunch of stuff from there. My mom spoiled me there. Oh my. She bought me like a TNA Kevin Nash there once. She bought me a TNA Kurt Angle in the package, and I took it out. Oh my and god! Then, like, I'm cringing thinking about <laughs> it now. it makes me so mad. And oh then uh, she bought me like a whole like Raw pack and ECW pack, think it had like an Edge in it and maybe Elijah Burke. I think. Wow. Maybe. Yeah, but I mean, there was like a whole bunch of stuff, and I wish I would have never opened oh, it man. as a kid. But as a kid, you don't know.
0: I know, and you're making me miss these days even more.
1: It's nostalgic like I, it's... I i still have like christmas pictures and stuff that uh, that i have where like i'm opening up like a ruthless aggression like mvp figure like a bobby lashley oh and I... it's like man... and it's like man why did i open those i love like, I it though
0: get... i love i love the nostalgia it brings
1: yeah i got a ray mysterio standee one year <laughs> like one of those big like cardboard standees oh nice you, yeah like you know wb shop and she got me one of those, and, I, and, like, every year, it was a tradition, that I get, I got wrestling shirts, so I, I would get, like, Undertaker shirts, Edge shirts, and Triple H shirts, and I was just... I, I used to cut my sleeves in school like I was Jeff Hardy. I used to have, like, long sleeve shirts, and I used to cut them like this and pretend I was Jeff Hardy, and then my mom would get mad at me because I cut the sleeves.
0: <laughs> hey, you know, it's what us wrestling fans do.
1: You know, because I was a Jeff Hardy mark, too, as a kid, so, I mean... <laughs> I, I, I just tried to be a wrestler. Like, I used to do the five-star frog splash off my desk in my chair in school. So,
0: I Is that a story for another day, or do you...
1: <laughs> oh, I can elaborate on some of it. Like, I... we used to... So, in grade school, a lot of us liked wrestling. I was the only one that never grew out of it. I never grew out of wrestling. Everyone else did to me. So, really? This is when the Nexus was red hot. Wow. And we used to do the Nexus against WWE, where there would be a team of guys over here that were WWE and then Nexus at our school. And the teachers used to let us fight. Like, they used to let us, like, punch each other and beat the heck out of each other. I don't know why they did, but they did. Because we were kids, I guess they just kind of gave up on us. Wow. And we started, like, beating each other up. And then... It
0: says a lot about the teachers.
1: Pretty much. <laughs> and, then, and then I used to go up to my chair when we were in class, and the teachers would try to be teaching. I'd go to my desk or for my chair, or whatever I could get to, and I'd go... And then <laughs> jump off the top and we were crazy, man.
0: My God.
1: We were crazy. And and then one kid had a trampoline and we used to beat each other up on that too after school.
0: I don't know. So we beat oh each
1: other up at school and then after school we would go when I when I was thinking I was in grade four, maybe grade five, and and the kids who bullied me, that's where I would get my revenge. <laughs> like who listens to I'd that actually step list- up <laughs> and then I'd feel bad after but <laughs> Who like, I don't know. It is what it is. Like I remember like one kid I really didn't like and I, I talk about this in, in what I'm doing in the book and he showed up one day and he was on the trampoline and I tried to stiff him. <laughs> and I think I got away with it.
0: Oh my god. Yeah.
1: As long as help me. Man. As long I'm as, close as you, aggression.
0: And as long as you can get away with it, that's all that matters, right?
1: I was in grade I, I was in grade four, you know. It's like, hey, what are they gonna do? Slap me on the wrist and that's, tell me no again and like, it'd be different now because I'm older, but grade four, yeah. they, I think people got better things to do And listen worry about, you and know, a grade four kid getting mad
0: at another one. And who listens to that don't try this stuff at home stuff anyway?
1: Oh, I tried it at home. I remember when I tried <laughs> a swan tom bomb on a trampoline and landed right on top of my head. Oh my god. <laughs> Everyone thought I broke my neck.
0: <laughs> oh my god. And I remember, god. I was like, no,
1: I'm good. I'm good, guys. I still oh. won't do a backflip. I still can't do a backflip. Like, like, my sister my sister has a diving board, and I, I still can't do a backflip. I can't do it. I can do a Swanton Bomb, but I can't do a backflip for my life.
0: It's okay. You, you probably won't need it.
1: I don't want to. I don't want to use it anyway. I want to be a mad beast, like Brett and Kurt.
0: So you want to be, like, Techn- a submission wrestler?
1: Yeah, technician and striker. Okay. Like, incorporate the kicks of Rob Van Dam, but, like, be technical, like Brett and Kurt
0: nice a little so, mix yeah, at just, everybody. Just, a,
1: just like a hybrid like a bit different you know like I'm not going to be a guy that you're going to see do a phoenix splash off the top rope. you know I'm not going to be the young bucks you know being able to do their stuff because that's, that's for them you know like they, you have to be a great athlete to do that and I'm not capable of doing that and if, even if I could do it I wouldn't be able to do it half as good as they can.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: so there's no point in me doing it so yeah. and plus I'd rather be technical anyway
0: And it's all about the story, so...
1: Exactly, like, um, you know, like, there's a lot of guys I like right now that are technical, like, uh, Zack Sabre Jr. is one guy that I really like watching from New Japan. Okay. He's a a great technician, but I would say if I had to emulate one person, it'd have to be Kurt, or Brett, one of the two. Just because their in-ring style and their psychology, their pacing was great, they didn't go too fast but not too slow, their storytelling was impeccable. You know, so that's the kind of style I would want to do. Because I think sometimes in matches today, people do too much too soon. Yeah. And then there's not a, like, if you have to go 30 minutes, you burn out of your stuff in 10 minutes, and then the last 20 minutes drag Mm -hmm. because you've already burned through everything. And then you compensate that last 20 20 minutes by doing spot after spot after spot after spot. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but you gotta, you you know, you gotta space them out a little bit. Mm -hmm. That's why. That's why you usually see a lot of guys start their matches slow and then they build it towards the end. Yeah, like uh, Eddie Guerrero and Kurt Angle from WrestleMania 20 is a perfect, a perfect example. One of my favorite matches ever. The match was so good.
0: I still remember the boot spot.
1: Such a creative spot. Uh, Such I
0: could just, I could just imagine, I could just imagine him trying to pull that off for Taker. Oh.
1: I don't know if that'd work. <laughs> Taker. A Taker would just when he would roll, Taker would just grab him by the neck and pick him back up like
0: that. I know, but just the imagery of him trying to unlace his boot in front of Undertaker and everything That's uh, <laughs> opp- so funny. Yeah, I ap- could
1: see, I could see like Eddie like running out of the ring and Taker having to try and chase him around.
0: Yeah,
1: I can see
0: that, mm-hmm. like Captain Mose. Yeah, and Undertaker just stepping on his foot, him and him trying to <laughs> unlace it. <I> ah, <laughs> uh, so many opportunities missed it really is I, again I know we
1: talked about it earlier but man Taker and Guerrero but that yeah. was a five star match waiting to have him
0: it was it was and um, it's uh, well I'm trying to think if there's anything else we didn't touch on when I'm talking about The Undertaker since this is an Undertaker centered podcast I'm trying to think huh. if there's anything else we we covered quite a bit we did we did yeah. we Every got the job done yeah, everything from uh, rewriting some history to favorite collectibles and stuff we hope to have in our collections. Um, it's it's a sh- it, it's a shame it's he doesn't... It's a
1: lot of fun to go back memory
0: lane. It is. And it's a shame he doesn't sell uh, his memorabilia more, but I know he just, just gives that to Vince and WWE for them to just... I,
1: I, I want him to release a book badly. I
0: do want him to release a book. I think... I,
1: I need a Taker biography that we do weird.
0: like everything like all the backstage stories he can tell and everything it'd be, it'd
1: be wrestler's it's, court yeah
0: it's something that's definitely needed
1: it, it's gotta happen man I I heard that before Rob Van Dam was working on a book so that's probably what I'll buy next but if Taker does I'm saving up and I'm pre-ordering that oh, right away
0: yeah I mean And you mentioned like Angle and Heart That you want to emulate That's two of Undertaker's Not only good friends But people that he's had Some of the best matches with
1: Greatest opponents yet. Yeah SummerSlam 97 yeah. What a
0: match
1: I, I It's I, like Yeah there's There's so There's so many um, Common denominators With Taker And what I want to do
0: mm-hmm.
1: Like every Like He's wrestled Almost everybody and He has And had a great match With him So when you think about it, is there really anything he hasn't accomplished besides, like, not winning any, like, mid-card titles I was just going to say,
0: he needed that Intercontinental title so he could become a Grand Slam champion.
1: Yeah, he never won the IC title or the, uh, US title.
0: Yeah, he was given opportunities yes. for, uh, against Goldust. Dust. I
1: mean, he did win the hardcore title, though.
0: So, I wish he would have beat Goldust for the IC title, but that darn Mankind.
1: Yeah, I, don't I wish he would have won the world title a bit more, but... Yeah. He also didn't the title cuz he was already big on his own, but
0: I think that I think that clouded McMahon's judgment a lot like him thinking well, he doesn't need the title, but I Pretty think much. he should have gotten the title more.
1: Okay, cuz I'm the Undertaker world champion. <laughs> so I don't I don't know. I don't know, Taker can have this if he wants. So I'll drop it and run away and
0: you <laughs> Just th- you just throw it at him. He can keep it.
1: <laughs> just like here, man. Here you want it? Take it.
0: You're gonna sh- you're gonna show off you're gonna show off your sprinting skills.
1: Oh uh, yeah, I'm not a fast sprinter at all. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not very coordinated. I'm, I'm 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 coordinated with like doing like wrestling moves outside of my map, but I'm not coordinated with running. I ain't agile in that manner. I can't run fast at all.
0: Oh wow! Well. I can run
1: fast for two seconds and I'm out of breath, and, like, blown up. Well, it's 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 funny though because I can do I can I can go outside and do like. Thirty front rolls in a row for wrestling, and I'm not tired. But then when I run for two seconds, I'm
0: tired. Wow! You know you gotta get it. you gotta you gotta work on the, running the ropes.
1: I run off my fence. <laughs> <laughs> I don't That's... got any ropes. I wish I did though. I've only been in a ring twice, and it was like heaven when I was in it. A... Really? Yeah, twice. I one in a ring twice. I went once to, to to meet Kurt, which he was in the ring. And then the second time was at the Impact taping the same day I met Rob Van Dam and, uh, and Tessa Blanchard was in the ring. Nice. Yeah, and I met her.
0: Wow. That, when you met uh, Rob Van Dam at the Impact taping, is that something you won? Did you win, like, the opportunity to go to the taping and then meet him?
1: Well, after the match, they stopped they stopped recording the show. And then um, they said that you can get in the ring for a photo op with Tessa Blanchard. And they were going to bring Tessa Blanchard back out. And uh, we got the opportunity to go in the ring and take a picture with her. Oh, cool. Which was a fun experience because I walked in the rain and I went, oh, this is bouncier than I thought.
0: This is bouncier than I thought.
1: It is. Like, it's pretty bouncy. You sure you it hurts would? when you fall. But...
0: Oh, yeah. Probably. You wouldn't think of the ring yeah. being that, so those, those, uh, those Mattel spring rings, they're really true to form. They are bouncy.
1: <laughs> I mean, like, I have, like, foam mats that I bought off Amazon that I put in the backyard and that's what I bump on. Oh, okay. So I guess bumping on the ring will be easier because I'm not bumping on the ground
0: uh-huh.
1: I'm bumping right on the dirt so but hey that's sacrifice too I can't train right now because of the whole COVID thing so I guess I gotta train myself to some extent
2: well, I, wish... I,
1: just know, I just wanna know some of the basics before I start training so I don't go in there like a complete Neanderthal, and <laughs> not know what I'm doing <laughs> well, I wanna be able to know how to run the ropes at least which I use my fence and I'm eventually gonna go through it but it's gonna be like a big gaping hole in the oh fence oh my
0: god that's all you I'm need I'm gonna through it that's all you need, just a big gaping hole in your fence. I wonder who did it and just like the outline of you.
1: I don't know, a big two hundred and thirty pound frame did it. <laughs> That's what people are gonna know.
0: Well, I wish you all the luck in your wrestling career. I sure you'll you yeah, you'll do great. I know I it's amazing to have like a passion for that, to do uh, wrestling and uh, just wish you all the best in it.
1: Nothing but appreciation. Because, um, you know, without support, a lot of people won't do it. Yeah. So to have backing and support and people who actually want to see you do something, it's, it's the greatest feeling in the world. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that. And thank you, for your, uh, thank you for your kind words.
0: Of course. And now, um, if do you have anything else to ask me to add to the podcast before we wrap things up here?
1: Yeah. What's our next episode going to be? Uh,
0: <laughs> we'll plan it.
1: Okay. We'll plan good.
0: it. Well, Keegan, I want to thank you for joining me here at the Collecting Dead Man podcast. Now is your time to plug anything you'd like. Where can people follow you? Where can people follow you? Where can people find your book? And anything else you would like to get out there in the universe?
1: Okay, so uh, I am on Twitter. And uh, my tag, I guess you want to call it, is uh, at KeeganRW. So it's Keegan and then RW's capital. So, um, and then you'll see my first and last name on there. My last name's the entire alphabet, so that's how you're going to know who I am. Um, I, I was, I was,
0: I was, um, like, just thinking, like, how am I going to pronounce this when I, it's like, I'll just oh, stick to Keegan. Okay. I'll
1: just That's stick how you say it in English. <laughs> in Serbian, it's, it's a lot different, but in English, it's just Dimitrovic. Dimitrovic? A, lo- a lot of silent letters when, I, when you say it in English. Okay. So, that's where they can follow me, and if anyone wants to follow me on Twitter, and then for my book that's coming out, that. um that we've talked about, uh, making mental illness tap out. That's going to be coming out as a paperback, hopefully in the next week, I'm hoping, but it's already available on Kindle, um, which is on Amazon and there is a sample. So before you ever decide that you want to buy the book, there is a few pages that are free to look at to see if the book is of in your interest. So, um, it's about pretty much everything that I've gone through with my mental illness and, um, my past with bullying at home and at school and about um, how I was on the wrong medications, how I actually almost uh, died via actually wanting to take my own life and the medications almost taking my life. So it's, uh, and also how professional wrestling has saved my life. And as cliche and nonchalant as that sounds, it's true, but it's a very specific in-depth analysis of it. So um, again, I hope that's out in the next few days. Uh, If it's not, then I'll keep, I'll keep working on, getting more out but the paperbacks hopefully should be available soon so try to make it as affordable as I can because you know I'm not in this for anything else than to you know hopefully help people
0: and that's uh, that's great to hear I uh, for the people listening I have read the sample that is available uh, it is very interesting and a powerful story to read I will um, I definitely recommend anybody to pick that up to purchase it to help support uh, Keegan here, and read his story. I uh, will definitely, uh, hopefully, pick up the paperback because I like holding a book when I read it. So
1: do I. I only, I only read my wrestling books in paperback. My sister asked me if I would read them online on like the Kobo thing. It's absolutely not. Yeah. So, <laughs> i only read them if I have the real, the real book. I, so that's why I wanted to get paperback too, because there's a lot of people who like to hold, hold the book to read it. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, if uh, the book's essential message is that if you have some sort of mental illness or you have depression, which is an overused term, and a lot of people actually don't really know what it is, but it's not temporary sadness. It's something over a long period of time that helps not make you functional um, in day-to-day life. So if you suffer from even anxiety or depression or even sadness or whatever, um, hopefully you can read the book and find a passion, whether it's wrestling, hockey, uh, school, education, whatever you want to do and you love, Use it as something to motivate you in the future, so you don't end up getting down in the dumps and thinking I have nothing left to live for. So, hope, that's essentially the main message of the book, and um, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully some people see me in a different light uh, because of that book. Because you know, at school I was known to be intimidating because I always had my headphones in and that pace, and I wouldn't talk. So, hopefully, you can actually hear me talk for once. <laughs>
0: Well, uh, it's a great message that you're putting out there. It's a message that uh, hopefully a lot of people that need it can hear it. And I'm glad that you have taken the time to share your story in this book. And um when the, when the book's released, I, you can come back on here. You can talk about the book as, 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 as well. Uh, Absolutely. I would, I would love to have people learn more about your story because it's definitely something that should be told more. And I definitely recommend to anybody listening to pick it up. And um, I will send me the links through Twitter. I will promote it when I put on this uh, episode. So if anybody can find the links through there, through the episode description. And I will also tag Keegan's Twitter so you can give him a follow as well.
1: Thank you very much, man. I appreciate it. It was a fun time to, to talk about The Undertaker and talk about, uh, you know, our experiences of meeting the dead man and about our. The people that we've met and our um, our fandom for Undertaker in general. So uh, I really appreciate you contacting me and getting get me on the show. And uh, I'm looking forward to the future.
0: Of course. I'm looking forward to future episodes with you. Um, you know, ju- like everything with Undertaker. You know, just scratching the surface.
1: For sure. Yeah, so. absolutely. We broadly went over, like, disputes and stuff. We haven't even gotten into all the in-depth stuff yet. Yeah.
0: So there's plenty more to... Uh, to... Uh, come with the episodes we can do as I tell all my guests that come on here, you know, just because you're on here once, you know, you're welcome back all the time because, you know, you're just scratching the surface of Undertaker, you know, you're not even, you know, getting into everything else that made him popular with us and popular with all the creatures of the night around the world. Well,
1: so yeah. He's definitely touched a lot of uh, a lot of us in terms of um, our childhoods and mm-hmm. You know him, and, like I said a million times. Him and Kurt are my childhood heroes, and without those two, um, you know, I'm I'm probably not where I am today, even alive, because you know I would put on I, I would watch their matches just to you know get me through the day and pass the time from yeah. when I wasn't feeling well. So uh, Undertaker's been a very instrumental part.
0: Yeah, and um, he has for me as well. He's uh, a lot of his matches have gotten me through a lot of tough times. And it's something that we can definitely touch upon on uh, another episode together.
1: Absolutely. I'm looking forward
0: to it. I'm looking forward to it as well. Uh, thank you again, Keegan, for joining me. It's It was a pleasure, and it was a great episode.
1: It was my honor. Anytime, man.
0: Thank you so much, and have a great day. And I hope all of my listeners have enjoyed this. And I uh, hope you look forward to hearing from Keegan again on a, a future episode as well. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of Collecting Dead Man. Please continue to subscribe and leave us a five star review where you can. Follow me on Twitter at Collect Up Dead and on Instagram at Collecting Dead Man. Check out my Linktree page so you can find the links to all my merchandise stores, where you can find wherever this podcast is available, and where you can subscribe to my YouTube channel. Hit the like button and subscribe there as well. Please continue to support this podcast in any way you can. And until next week, creatures of the night, keep on rolling.